Okay. Okay. Four Woo-hoo. for four. Yeah, we, we did win. it. We did it. <laughs> the easiest part of this process, we finally did it. <laughs> Connecting to the session. We've pulled it off. It's taken months, but I think we finally got this down. <laughs> oh, boy. We are good at this. Welcome to Preferred Enemies, the Warmer 40K podcast that's putting it all together. I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. And today we are going to continue our series on building an army. Last time we talked about how to build an army from list, a list building perspective and what how to go about buying it and where to buy things. This time we're actually going to talk about building the army, assembling and painting and basing it. Uh, but first, we're going to do something we haven't done in a little while, and that is catch up on the news because it's a lot's happened since the last time we recorded, because since we last recorded, we've had Warhammer Day, and I think there were, you know, obviously there were a number of previews there that we'll want to talk about. We've had Christmas boxes announced. We've had some other new models announced. We've had a new Meta Watch in between now and then. That We had the, uh, I believe, what, the Tampa Open? Yes. And... uh We've also had a new website, and so we're going to talk about that in part one, and then in part two, we will get into our main topic. Uh, so uh, we're going to start from the back and work our way forwards in time. Uh, so let's start with that Warhammer Day preview. We were confirmed that our next two codexes are Necrons and Mechanicus, although not necessarily in that order. It's unclear which one's coming first, I think. I've heard I both. Know. Yeah, I know, I know they specifically said, yeah. And I know our Necron player in the local group I've got here is concerned about that because he's like, uh, that means I have to buy it. Like, and then I'll have like a few days where I'm locked out of my army. So I, that's the biggest thing I wish GW would fix is locking people out of the army before the codex hits. Yeah. Yeah. And they, yeah, they did it again with the Space Marine army. Oh, I know. <laughs> and it's no, it's it's bad. And it if and the fact that it affects people who like, especially with Space Marines, it affects everybody who's playing a non Grey Knights Marine army. So if you're playing Blood Angels and you don't buy the new codex and unlock it digitally, the app, you know, you lose access to all your rules for 90 percent of your army. So it's not technically space wolves and dark angels can get around that, but then you're very, very limited with what you can bring. Right. Space wolves are probably the best to get around it after gray nights. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's not great. It's, they've really, really disappointed me with how they're, you know, the promise of free rules. And it's like, well, no, now we're taking it. It's, it's one thing to, yeah, we're updating rules, and we're not going to update the old indexes, so, like, the, the index might be slightly out of date, but it's another thing to pull them completely. You can't download them, you can't access them in the app, you can't access them in the app for days before the codex drops. Like, it right. doesn't actually hit hit shelves for, like, three or four days, and that's assuming you pick it up on launch day. I've heard so many tales. Like, Richard, you had this problem with Tyranids. Like, if you ordered it, you don't get it launch day. Yeah. 
Well, well, even with me, when I picked up the Space Marine one is thankfully I was just playing some friendly games, but I knew not to take Space Marines. But there were people playing a tournament where we were at who they actually had to have printouts or use the book. Actually, no, they weren't using the book. So they had to have printouts of their stuff because they could not use the app to get to their um, armies. So that's that's rough. And I will still echo this other one is we have somebody else that we're trying to get in and, and he seems interested. But there's the problem is he can't look at all the armies. Uh, he's he's going to test out Tyranids because one of the guys who plays Tyranids has talked him into some of the models. But he couldn't view them himself. So he had to rely on, hey, we're all together. I can look at this army now as opposed to if I'm at home, I can't look at the army because, well, I'm just using the free app. Mm-hmm. So it would be nice if they they kept it to where you could look at the armies to see what – I mean, pictures are nice, but there's some people out there that want to play not by aesthetic, but they want to actually know the rules and the interactions for the units before they know what they want to get into. Well, yeah. It's, it's the whole thing that we talked about before. Like, it, What's so frustrating about it is that they – that's exactly what they do with Sigmar. Like, mm-hmm. they know this works. They know this encourages people – Like. They're only doing it for 40k because they, they know that there's a bigger player base and they will get more people to buy stuff. And, like, that's that's frustrating. Like, it's actively bad for the hobby. Yeah. And it's like, I wouldn't mind if they did what they do with Age of Sigmar where it's like, okay, the detachment rules, yeah, those are locked. You don't get the new yeah. detachment rules. You keep, like, whatever detachment we kept from the old one, from the old index, that one's still visible. So you always have, like, a default in... Uh, detachment you could play like you could have the access mm-hmm. access to the rules for but yeah you want to use like the firestorm detachment or the vet- veteran company detachment for space marines or you want to use the assimilation you know uh whatever yeah you know, that or like the crusher stampede like you want to use those yeah you have to unlock those you have to buy the codex you have to unlock unlock them in the app and then you could have access to those rules and i would be absolutely fine with that it would totally make sense it's like you want those you buy the codex otherwise you can play the default way for free yeah yeah it would be such a, a matter like it would be a way to uh, make things accessible for newer players who may not want to sink money into a 60 dollar book yet right They're That's just catching up on models yeah or Give a way to unlock, like, okay, I don't need all the fluff. I don't need the print version. Just let me pay, like, 15, 20 bucks to unlock the all the rules on my app. Yeah. 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 It's- or a, six, uh, a subscription where it's like I pay 10, you know, instead of paying just, like, $60 a year, maybe I pay $20 a month and I get access to all the codexes as they come out in the yeah. app. I gotta get. I do have to kind of give them credit. Like, there are a number of really, really great solutions to this, and they have managed to pick the one that appeases nobody. <laughs> like they have, they have managed to find the one solution that just doesn't work for anyone. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's. I mean, and we will see more of that later in this show. <laughs> they're they're they're. I question their competence at digital content. They're a lot better than they used to be, but I still question their competence. Uh, but, okay, that aside, um, so we do know the next two codexes, and we knew this on, from the roadmap before, there was going to be Mechanicus and Necrons coming out around the same time. We do not know if they are coming out at the same time or, like, one right after the other. Uh, supposedly, one might, one of the two might be coming, should be coming probably this month, so later in November. Um, I've 
heard itchings that it might be Mechanicus, but the previews schedule seems to indicate it might be Necron, so who knows. Uh, as far as things that have been previewed, uh, Imotech the Stormlord has broken himself free from the shackles of fine cast and will now be available in a plastic model. Yay. Oh, thank God. Because... <laughs> While I don't necessarily have the same problems with fine casts that everyone else had, like, I, I kind of got lucky most of mine were good casts. I don't mind working with resin. Necron resin models suck because they're too spindly. So I'm so glad that they're getting this. Well, they were all designed to be metal, and then they converted them over to plastic right. or into right. fine casts, and those rarely worked well. <laughs> yeah. But no, like, all of the new plastic Necron stuff is great more of that get all of the characters into plastic as soon as possible please yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and and the Imatech model looks good i like his kind of like crystalline cloak with the uh, little scarabs crawling over mm. it and he's he's got that definitive gauntlet you know fire gauntlet and staff pose i mean he he looks like what you would expect uh we got our we got a preview of the codex cover looks nice very what you would expect from a Necron Codex. We also got uh, our indication of what detachments we're getting. There are only five in the book, which is less than we've had for e the other two. Uh, and one of those is a repeat because it's just the Awakened Dynasty is one of them. So we get four new detachments. Uh, the Hypercrypt Legion, which is all about uh, putting units into strategic reserve at the end of the end of your opponent's turn. Oh, nice. So they're going to be playing like uh, something akin to Grey Knight's uh, redeployment teleport shenanigans, yeah, and especially kind of based around game. monoliths. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, there's the obeisance phalanx, which is going to be using apparently a lot of overlords. A canoptic court, which will be uh, pushing cryptex and constructs. Uh, the annihilation legion is going to be your destroyer cults probably also going to be uh, flayed ones i would imagine and seems to be leaning into the fight like actually a close combat necron army because they get an enhancement that uh, allows a uh, necron character to fight after death so uh that's what we're getting from at least from the preview and we will have another necron model that we'll talk about later uh but that's our preview for the necrons and then uh for mechanicus uh, we get a we so, get a model preview. <laughs> Who <Hoo> boy, <laughs> <laughs> the Sidonian Scatros. Um, it's a very tall model. It is. A, I, I I saw this, and the first thing I said that that's gonna break. That's gonna break so much. I, so I I I do want to be fair to the model design. It is incredibly stupid and ridiculous looking. <laughs> It is a choice, but it also perfectly fits the aesthetic of the Adeptus Mechanicus. I, it, it's, so I mean, like, yeah, I can't disagree <laughs> with that. It's like it's really stupid looking, but it totally fits in the army. So like, ah, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> See, I, my, my... I, I saw it, and and my first reaction, like even before that's gonna break, was, oh, that's gonna <laughs> be a meme. <laughs> and, it, and it was. Uh, See, and I, I was on the second half of Rich's there. I was like, yeah, the, I would hate to transport that because just think of what type of slot in the foam you're going to have to use, how much space it's going to take up. Oh, yeah. If you have, it's just like, uh. And I mean, I even have this complaint now that I make like jet bikes with 
if they have a lance, I'm now always putting the lance forward. Because if you have the lance sticking up, like they're holding it and just that points up, it's just like, oh my gosh, that's taking up too much space. Yep. <laughs> oh, talking yeah. about talking about transport, like real quick. Uh, they they released that case or oh, right. previewed that <laughs> the case nubbies. with the nubbies. <laughs> so weird. Uh, yeah, I. I I heard that it actually works decently. There was somebody, God, I wish I could remember which YouTuber this was, but they did a test. They received one of these to try out. And so their test was, because it's only for skirmish level games, so it only holds like maybe a dozen models at most. But they loaded a bunch of models into it, and then they hurled it down their stairs. Oh, I would not do that, but this is a test. I and, it, and like the models mm. shifted out, but none of them broke, so hey... Yeah, but none right? of them were the Sidonian Scatros. Oh, right. That thing, I, that thing intends it has intent to break itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. just the Incarn, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Except the Incarn had to throw itself off a table to do it. This one, I think, a stiff breeze, and it's just gonna be like, oh, I've gone lame. Crack, fall down. I guess <sighs> it's, it's just that the Incarn is just so fiddly and breakable. Yeah, but uh, I, I mean. Okay, uh, somebody saw the, uh, like, the Vindicare model they did for, you know, Warhammer Plus a couple of years ago and says, yes, having a sniper high up is a really good idea, but what if we could move him around like that? Right. What's the worst way we could do that? And then they found out. Which, again, like, perfectly lines up with Adeptus Mechanicus logic, so, like, yes. I can't I can't even really say that it's dumb. It's no, like, it's... Like, like, yeah, this is the type of organization that would have an idea of, well, high sniper, good, but so what if we gave him stilts to walk around? I'm like, yeah, that, that, yeah. <laughs> or, or a hover platform with like a 12 inch thin um, plastic thing to make it look like he's hovering in, a foot in the air. Would have, would have been equally fragile and bad, but not as stupid looking as this. <laughs> now, I see, there's some, I have seen some people like, oh no, I absolutely love this because, because the aesthetic. And I'm like, yeah, it is the Mechanicus aesthetic. What if we took tech and made it dumb? But, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> ouch. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> what if we understood technology but fundamentally didn't? We're the mechanics. <laughs> well, it's because they're, they're praying to the technology to make it work. Right, we were, yeah. We were, we were too busy wondering whether we could. <laughs> didn't know if we should. Anyway. Yeah. So you're saying dinosaurs are next? I mean, if they give us Exodite Dragon Warriors, absolutely. Oh man, that would be cool. I don't need another army though, so yeah. I, I have said this is a, this is this is the hill that I'll die on. This is my squats thing for you. When okay. they bring back Exodite Dragon Warriors, I will play an Eldar army. Then I will let you have that hill, so I don't have to walk up it because I have too many armies. <laughs> also, every time I look at the the uh, Seraphon like model line from Age of Sigmar, I constantly look at it and go, you know, it wouldn't be that hard to convert into Exodites. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> Uh, so, so, so our deta- so moving on to the codex itself because I think we've lambasted them in general enough. Again, five detachments. So, 
Uh, not quite as many options as we've had, but, you know, matching the Necrons. Uh, we have a Skatari Hunter co- cohort is an ideal pairing with a Scatros. Oh, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Grants all your Skatari infantry and mounted units stealth ability and provides cover to all Sakarian units targeted by range attacks more than 12 inches away. So you get to be Raven Guard Skatari. Um, on stilts. Also, yeah, I've seen some people say, yeah, you know, the, Skatar- the Skatros rules are going to be so good, people are going to have to take three. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We have the uh, the Rad Zone cohort is getting revamped, uh, which is good because it's terrible. Although somebody actually placed well at a tournament recently. I think may have won a tournament with Mechanicus recently. So, nice. uh, I mean, anything's possible with a good enough player. Uh, the Explorator Manipul uh, sets its sight on re- acquiring rare Archaea tech from the battlefield. The Cohort Cybernetica, which is all about Castellan robots, and the Data Psalm Conclave is going to be about your tech priests. So those are our detachment styles for Mechanicus. And again, we get a co- uh, cover preview. So yes, these are coming uh, sometime soon. Uh, so like a coin flip on which one we get first. Uh, and then uh, we had the Kill Team previews, and while we primarily don't talk a lot oh, about gosh, Kill Team, yes. there's one very important thing about this Kill Team box, and it's the fact that we are getting we are getting plastic striking scorpions finally. Finally, yeah. another aspect warrior moved to plastic. I love it. I think it's interesting that it starts out as a Kill Team box rather than an actual just box. But I mean. When they get an actual box, it'll probably be the Kill Team box. The same yeah. models and everything. So yeah, they get to have it in two different games. People can try out stri- Striking Scorpions, see if they like them. And if so, start playing Eldar, right, yeah. Kevin? Yeah. yeah. Scorpions no, are kind I- of dinosaur-ish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I kind of like this, actually. Like, what they've been doing of, like, reimagining these classic kits and putting them into Kill Team first. Um, because then you don't... You, it gives you kind of a window to release the models and kind of release some rules, but you don't necessarily have to like update data sheets, release a codex, things like that. Like, I, I, honestly, I'm I'm happy with this. I can't believe that it's taken thirty years to get new aspect <laughs> warriors, but that's a different well, thing. <laughs> here, here, the other thing I like is since it's plastic, it's not fine cast because all mm-hmm. of the other aspect warriors, other than banshees and defenders, and now dark reapers. Are they used to be all metal, so now they're all fine cast, and the fine cast is not as much fun to work with. But Dude. my other complaint, though, I'll still have Phoenix Lords. The Phoenix Lords mm-hmm. need a re-upping a lot more than the Aspect Warriors do. Yeah. So yeah. I'm hoping we get a Striking Scorpion Phoenix Lord around yeah, the plastic Carandris would be nice to have coming out around the same time as this. Yes, mm-hmm. please, because yeah. At this point, is it just fire? Is fire dragons and warp spiders the last two that are still in no, swooping hawks and swooping hawks? Okay, yeah. So there's three, and uh, technically, while they are available in plastic, the Dire Avengers box is ancient now. And no, it's, need- that's all like five or six years old, right? N- no, uh, no, it's it not. Uh, oh, it's way older than. <laughs> Dude, I was Am building I that Dire Avengers box when I was getting into uh, when I was splashing Eldar into my sixth edition army. But Remember I know that they, when they re-released it in a few? Oh, I'll say a few years ago because they upped the base size in the new boxes. They may they have redid- up- 
they, they redid the models to make them a little hair no, bigger. They, no, they did they not. They just re- repackaged it with new bases? Oh, that's yep. Yeah. Just like lame. they did with Orc Boys when they repackaged them in tactical squads and stuff. Yep. Oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah, they are they are an ancient kit. They're just on slightly bigger bases. Ugh. So, no, Dire Avengers need a... Uh, you can tell because of how non-dynamic they are. Com- okay, even that, compared to, fair. like, Guardians. Yeah, um, Guardians did to get the facelift, yes. Yeah, they got a full new oh. model. So model line, and they are yeah, about right, as old as Dire Avengers. Because the Dire Avengers one happened also when they changed the, the box from ten to five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not to uh, not to jump ahead to other topics, but I was pulling them up on the uh, web store so I could look at look at the models, and I clicked on one of the uh, dead links, and now I'm stuck in a uh, cycle, so I like can get back out of it. Just close the browser; you'll be fine. <sighs> <laughs> Um, and then, uh, it, so also alongside the, uh, striking scorpions, the box will also include a new unit of space Marine scouts, uh, cause that'll be the new scout mm-hmm. models, which look nice. They, they're look like, you know, scouts again, pose more dynamically, you know, updated scale, only one sniper mm-hmm. rifle because we can't have nice things. And, uh, a few pieces of like scatter terrain in the box. You'll have to buy the kill zone separately, which will keep the price on that box down somewhat. It won't be like buying one of the season boxes for the, uh, Gallo Dark season. Mm-hmm. But if you're into, uh, Eldar, this is definitely going to be. Uh, one to watch is getting the striking scorpions out of this. I, I'm definitely going to watch that. I already have a metal striking scorpions and a fine cast striking scorpions, so I, I probably will need to pick up the plastic one so I can have like all three. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can mix and match them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> which one's going to be heavy as I move them across the board? Oh, <laughs> all right. So that pretty much, you know, as far as 40k is concerned, that's pretty much all the preview. Uh, Age of Sigmar well, also got some nice looking stuff. Wasn't there a model that was revealed that isn't 40k that should be 40k? Oh well, yeah. No, I'm. I. You're gonna make. Are me we trying to? Bad. Are we gonna you're try and block s- it out of our minds? You're gonna make me sad, Dennis. Yes, I, yes. And I'm were, right there with you. <laughs> they they were teasing us too. They 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 were yes. building up to the reveal. It's like. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, look, there's our boy Fulgrim. There he is. There's Fulgrim. And he's in Forge World Resin and he's only for Horus Heresy. I mean, I in a way, I don't mind the Forge World Resin part. I do mind the Horus Heresy only part. I, I mind the the, the uh, Resin part because uh, the other t- two or uh, the other three Demon Primarchs are all available in plastic. And look very nice in plastic. <sighs> it's okay. You know, so this puts he th- will look nice in plastic too eventually. Right. Well, this puts it back into the rumorville of they're going to wait and make a plastic one of him when they get a actual codex. Right. Most likely. And uh, he there's a a horse heresy campaign book that has been released uh, that has the rules for Fulgrim in it. So, mm-hmm. um, so that mm-hmm. is the model looks amazing. They did put it up for pre-order like today or yesterday, so yeah. like it's only two hundred and seventy dollars. I thought it was only two hundred two seventy. <laughs> unless wow. I'm in, unless unless it reset. No, I'm still on. I'm on American prices. Like unless the website reset my uh, my zone again, we'll get to the website. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, 270. So, yeah, I, I would oh, gosh, prefer it to a lot. be plastic and not be that much. Yeah, agreed. That said, uh, if this is put what that it's going like, to be awesome. <laughs> to, to put that in comparison, the other Demon Primarchs are all 170. Mm-hmm. So you're saying Forge World adds 100? Yeah. They're now, expert I, I, kits. Right. Yeah. For 15 and up. These are, these are spicy kits. My my. Every time we get a GW preview product, it comes in a box that is clearly marked not children's products. And my kids are like, we can't touch that. We're not allowed. <laughs> like, could you bring in that package for me? Nope, can't. Box the other thing so. I'll say about that model, though, is those wings look like they're entirely really, really tall. Oh, yes. he's he he looks huge. I mean, the wings are as are taller than he is. Yeah, I, I'm going back to the stilts. I'm com- thinking how bad that would be to try oh, and transport. Oh, this thing's going to be a nightmare. You <laughs> yeah. you assemble and paint this at the place that you're going to play in, and then you just leave it there, and then walk off and buy another one. That's kind of what they're no, for. I think. No, I don't. No. Maybe afford one, but not no, one. <laughs> oh man. Uh, you could probably magnetize those wings. You know, enough silicone nubbies, you might be able to transport that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fulgrim likes the nubbies. <laughs> also, wow. Well. <laughs> I feel like this is getting I'm going to laugh at... I'm going to make jokes at this model's expense, because as beautiful as it is, I am so disappointed that they didn't yeah. bother thinking that, hey, we could make this in plastic and sell it as a dual-purpose kit. Like, we could sell it for both, or even market Horus Heresy and give you 40k rules. But they were even very yeah. clear saying, there will not be 40k rules for this model. Yeah. That, I mean, and I, that's just like, that's <sighs> unnecessarily mean. It is unnecessarily mean. But I, what's going to happen is if this model sells really well, which it will, because it's nice, then they will make a plastic one in a couple of years. Like, it, it, he's eventually going to be it. With Codex? Plastic. Yeah, with Exactly. Because yeah. we need so, the codex. And it's one of those things where, like, I think part of the reason why they're like, nope, this is not a this is not a 40k thing, because if they did, they would immediately sell three times as many. Um, and they probably can't produce that many resin kits. <laughs> so that's it, it, probably a and fair it's like, point. And it's probably like right in that area where it's like we know we're going to sell about this many for, you know, for horse heresy. If we do it, like it, it probably fits right and falls right in that range of like it's not worth it yet to make the plastic one with all of the upfront costs for it compared to what we're going to sell. So let's just do this one first. And they've been, they've been on a, a kick of doing the uh, ascended primarchs. Uh, so like there's a Horus ascendance like that. So like, I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to get eventually like a demon Angron and a demon Mortarian for 30 K as well down the line. That'll be like a really nice kit that, you know, I, at some point, we'll spend $300 on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. What I would think is just, like, just give rules for to use mm-hmm. the plastic ones in Horus Heresy. As much, like, as much as they're allergic to keep, you know, to having the two uh, brands interact now. Yeah, but I think there's also an element of this is, you know, this is Horus Heresy. This is, we're going to make a really kick-ass Forge World kit. For this, you know, I I think there's also a desire. I'm sure there's a desire from their sculptors to be like, yeah, but what if we made a 30k Angron Demon Prince, you know, or you know, Demon model? So, 
so uh, moving on from uh, the disappointment that is we get a Fulgrim, but not for us. Um, let's move on to the Meta Watch, which had some uh, surprising results from Tampa. Like, honestly, yeah. I was yeah. very surprised. Uh, we uh, Eldari did make the podium, but they did not take first or second. And in fact, first was taken by sisters. Uh, the same army you and I have clowned on for this entire edition. <laughs> so I so I don't want to say that like I saw this coming, but I did try to make the argument that I'm like, well, these changes probably do help sisters because it allows them to take more things and like have more options. And I remember that I was like roundly like, no, they still suck. I'm like, all right, I bet someone will be able to figure it out because there's a lot of tools here. It's not me. I'm, I don't know how to play them, but <laughs> but. <laughs> I, I'm still. What surprises me is that I still feel like they lack killing power. They do, but apparently, it this you know, if you just play them, you know, you kind of mm-hmm. you kill what you can, and you just lean into playing the missions. Yeah, that and that's I how you win. Th- I think that's the style they want Tenth Edition to be. We got so used to the is just kill your opponent, even if there's missions. Oh, those are nice to have because if you kill your opponent, you win anyway. Mm. But there's more and more armies that don't have that killing potential that the way they're going to have to win is by playing the missions, having multiple small units go out and can you cover the board? Can you get to the corners? Can you place your teleport homers? And all of these things, which dropping prices or points, I should say, for like sisters, Votan, other armies, I mean, that has finally made them competitive because, oh, sure, I can lose a third of my army, but I still have enough things on the board to get objectives done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we get to second place, and it was World Eaters. Nobody yeah. plays them. I know. <laughs> well, speaking of an army that uh, that is all tactics and not killing power. <laughs> just to, just to, just to <laughs> undercut your argument right out the gate. Uh, you did. <laughs> No, I, I, the, but the price- if there's more people playing tactical, your world leaders will be able to kill them easier. Absolutely. <laughs> no, the uh, I, I I mean, when the last point changes came out in the Palisade Slate, I was really happy because world leaders were just slightly overpriced, and like, and and I think the the good thing, like, you see the top end results of like from Tampa and things like that, where it's like, yes, you see these armies winning tournaments, that's great. I also think overall, what really helped, what really encouraged me, is that when they showed the you know, the tier list, like the win mm-hmm. rates for each faction, the the gap is, I wouldn't say it's completely closed, but the gap is halved or like, you know, oh, two yeah. thirds of what it was. Like there's much more armies that are much more competitive right now. And I think you're going to get to the point where like players that play a faction and are really good with it, World Eaters, Votan, Sisters, uh, they now can win with those armies. You're not going to win out the gate. You're not going to see Sisters winning every tournament, uh, nor should you want that. Like, I don't want to see one army dominate, but I think we're in a place now, you know, with the, the, the emergency kind of rebalance they did where like the game's mostly where they want it to be right now, which is, which is really encouraging. Yeah. Well, and, uh, Auspect's tactics did a video like in, in response to the Tampa results, uh, featuring like three different tournaments that were that week or right around then that sisters won or took like first and or second in and with, like with varying lists too. Like, yeah. It wasn't just some, like a mono build. Yeah. There were, there were, there were common units because 
there's good units. But yeah, like the because I think that same uh, uh, video or one right after it also looked at like several world leaders armies that had done well in events. And again, it's like you know smaller armies with limited units, so you're going to have repeats. But like they did various you know different things. They 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 were built in different ways, and like I like that. I think we're at a point where the game is a lot more flexible and a lot more um, balanced than it has been, you know, mm-hmm. at, at any point in 10th edition, easily. Right. Um, Eldari are still strong, but not nearly as oppressive as before. I mean, it, they still I mean, they probably need to be toned a little bit because they're still, uh, like, above the, the sweet spot, but they're, they're co- you can deal with them. And my complaint against Eldari still is you really have the have and the have-nots in the units in the army. Mm-hmm. Just because if you play any of the have-not units, the toughness three just gets to you, because a lot of their stuff is still high-costed, but high-cost toughness three means they're just going to get removed from the table before they can really do anything. Right. Uh, and uh, and also, uh, let's pour one out for Drukari uh, hanging at 44%, really <laughs> struggling. Um, also, I, if I remember right from the uh, MetaWatch video, they did admit like we may have hit custodes too hard because yeah. they they collapsed, and they feel yeah. like they may have hit uh, Imperial Knights a little bit harder than they needed to. I mean, Chaos Knights are, I mean, they're both still in the forty five to fifty five range, but like custodes dropped like a rock. Uh, but most armies, yeah, are real like the the middle band. I'd say plus minus 2% from 50 is Chaos Knights, Death Watch, Thousand Suns, Chaos Demons, World Eaters, Mechanicus. Mechanicus being at 50% is amazing com- compared to where they were before. Death Still Guard. make them higher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Space, uh, Space Wolves, Sisters, Gene Stealer Cults, Dark Angels, Tyranids, Necrons. And and then the armies beyond that are a, you know, a little bit weaker or a little bit stronger near the top of the... the Sweet spot is like Voton at fifty four percent. They just charged out the gate yeah. with those points well, drops. Uh, well, with and Voton, the judgment they changes. Had, they, the judgment changes are huge, and they had a lot of good things. They've got killing power. They've got that. They just didn't have enough bodies on the board, and so yeah, points changes kind of mm-hmm. sol- that and judgment tokens solved everything for them. Yeah, uh, Chaos Space Marines were already good. They're very strong now. Tau Empires doing very well. Um, and then, yeah, Black Templars are the probably the strongest of the Marine Codexes right now. But still, they're all, you know, everybody's doing pretty, pretty well. So it's a much healthier environment now, I would definitely say. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Uh, then uh, the something else we had announced uh, about a couple of weeks ago is our Christmas boxes have been officially announced. Uh, there are six of them coming. Hey there, this is Rob, an editor's note. The Christmas boxes were announced for pre-order the day we recorded as we were finishing up our recording. And 
have since gone up for pre-order, and several of them, including the Leagues of Votan and World Eaters box, and I believe the Tyranid box as well, have sold out in the U.S. I know those plus the Orc box, I believe, sold out in the U.K. Uh, many independent stores are not getting their allotments or may not be getting any at all. So while the analysis we're going to give may still be fundamentally correct, uh, you may not be able to get these boxes as of time of editing and release. I don't know if there's any among any in here that I would say are the absolute must-haves, like the Knights there's or one. the Custodes ones. There's one. Is it the uh, Voton? Yes, the Voton is is yeah. perfect because it it partners up with the um, Combat Patrol or even the old Voton box. Get one of each of those, and you have pretty much all the models in the range. So, I mean, it. It, and it's got all the vehicles we complained about not ha- being able to find. We're thinking mm-hmm. that they were being held back to be put into battle boxes. Um, <laughs> Maybe. Cause, cause Sagittars, which are an exceedingly good vehicle for them, um, couldn't find. You get one in the box. Land Fortress. It's, it's a, their version of a land raider. It's solid. It's sturdy. Lots of shots. Ten the Hearthguard. I mean, you, they're Terminator equivalent. You get ten of them in the box, and they're yeah. really good on the board, tough to kill. I mean, this this is a very very solid box. And if you're starting out a Voton army, pick up this, pick up the um, Combat Patrol, and you've got pretty much all the models to get yourself started with. I mean, the big thing that I'll, I'll my takeaway for all things is unlike in past years, yeah, there's not any that's like you have to have this because it's just an outstanding deal. There's no clunkers in here either. Like the uh, one that's the maybe. closest, the one that's maybe the closest is uh, the world leaders one, because it has a you know, such a big part of it's the, the, you know, Angron, but everything else in the arm, you know, in the box is super useful. And like, even if you take Angron out of it, like assuming it's priced the way other boxes are going to be priced, you still get a deal with, because you know, the, Eight bound, you get two units of eight bound and a unit of berserkers. The eight bound are sixty dollars a piece, and the berserkers are like sixty five. So even if you take Angron out, you're still actually getting like a discount. Um, and like maybe the Space Marine one, but the Space Marine one has like all the new jump models, uh, right. the jump infantry models, which are new. So I don't know. I, like I, I'm, I'm actually really happy with all of these. I think yeah. they all Space Marine is just the one that I've was kind of hearing people like go bad on but it was like mm-hmm. especially if um like i've been dabbling in dark angels here's a good way to get some like bikes for the new thing except i keep on thinking yeah. well if they come out with dark angels they might have new bike models coming so i should probably hold off yeah i, w- I would right. hold off because yeah we will probably see new Ravenwing versions of a lot of kits because they're going mm-hmm. to have to if they're retiring all the old bikes and speeders right. and such yeah but like you'll get Outrider Black Knights or something. I will say those Jump Marines look really cool. Yeah, jump their models are cool. <laughs> yeah, they are cool. Um, uh, Blood Angels players would probably really enjoy this as well. The mm-hmm. Space Marine Spearhead Force. Um, the the Beast Naga Stampede, I mean, that's the army you're pretty much building right now, right, Richard? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it Like, I've already... I mean, if I hadn't already, you know, gotten a lot of that, then... Yeah, this would this would be cool, but that that's a, exactly kind of like what I've already gotten. So, 
Right. So on that regards, Richard, would, is someone starting or dipping their toe into orcs? Would this be a great starting point? Oh, yeah, I think so. It, it's, I mean, yeah, you get you get a little bit of everything in that one. And all very nicely themed. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, and, and, like, just having orcs with, like, good movement and, like, having some, like... Uh, the, the, the squig hog boys are, are, are very good. Yeah. I remember fighting them in our thousand point games that squig hog boys get work done. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then we've got the Cadian defense force, a bottomless, uh, assortment of firepower, mostly because the Rogaldorn tanks don't have bottoms. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but yeah. Command squad, 20 Cadian shock troops and two Rogel Dorns. Um, it's, it's not bad. Yeah, it's a good start. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, if you're going to, if you're playing guard the way that most people play guard, like you need bodies, you need tanks. Any yeah. way to get cheaper versions of them, like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, the only thing about their combat patrol is you're going to end up with two command squads, but otherwise, yeah, more bodies and then a sentinel and some field guns. Is just fine and Let's see. I, I'm trying to think of what the rules are for Gene Stealer cults and and like I, I haven't messed with Gene Stealer cults at all in tenth really. What their rules are again for yeah. Uh. Let's see. Can't have Epic Hero, Ogren, Rattling, Militarum Tempestus, Commissar, Regimental Priest, Regimental Engine Seer, Munition Servitors, or Aircraft. So, which all those should be fine. Yeah. Right. So, like this, this would actually, I think, work for a Brood Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty well. Now, I don't know point-wise if you'd be able to... Yeah, you wouldn't be able to use, like, all of this point-wise. Right. But, yeah. But, like, it would give you, like, plenty of options on how to build a a Brew Brothers... Right. You know, detachment. Let's see. Uh, Let's see. A Rogaldorn tank. Uh, Yeah, Rogaldorn tank is 260 points, so you couldn't run both of them, because at at 2,000 points, you're capped at 500, so... Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, given the pr- what the price on these will be, it'll probably be a really good deal because the Rogaldorn tanks themselves are 100 bucks a pop. Yep. I mean, the Rogaldorn tanks, two Cadian uh, shock troops and a command squad are $345. So... Yeah, this will probably, and that's the thing. We don't know what price these are going to come in at. Last year's bundles were at two ten. Um, I imagine these are probably going to be more like two forty or so, given inflation. Mm-hmm. That would be, it'd be my guess. I mean, you'll still get good savings. You'll effectively get a uh, like a Rogaldorn for free if you bought this. Yeah. Um. Uh, then you've got the Onslaught Swarm for Nids, which gives you a Hive Tyrant, a Norn Emissary, uh, and then uh, 20 Hormigaunts and 10 Gene Stealers, which if you want to run up in somebody's face, yeah, uh, we'll definitely get the job done. 
Uh, and and then you have the Exalted of the Red Angel, which surprises me because it has a named character, a named character in it that cannot be built as anything else. Yeah, but I don't know what else you could have used as a centerpiece for this. Like maybe True. a demon prince, but eh. and and honestly, like this th- fits thematically. And like eight bound are hard to find right now. Like they're sold out on the on the on the web store, um, right? Because they're saving them for the box, right? Exactly. Um, so and, no, uh, like honestly, like this is a good deal. Like even if you take Angron out of it, it's there's it's still a pretty good deal because. Uh, like I said, the Berserkers are 65, the Eight Bounds are 60 apiece, and Angron's 100 and something, so like... But, so so Kevin, here's my question, though. If you build a World Leader's Army, are you normally putting Angron in it? Uh, yes, when I'm not doing... Yeah, when I'm not doing the Crusade thing. Um, so, yes, pretty much, if, building, yeah. if, if someone's getting brand new into world leaders, this yes. would be a great jumping off spot. You will, you will use all of this. Things are all great units. Angron, like, is kind of what makes the army sing. So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely going to use them if you're starting out. So, like, this is, even though it does have a name character, there's only like 12 units for world leaders. So, like, you, you're, you don't really have other options. And Angron is, is, Almost an auto include just because you need like some big targets and some big damage dealers. Um, so like honestly, like for for what the world leaders are, this is this is a really good this is a really good bundle. So yeah, this is one I would definitely buy alongside the um, the combat patrol if you can get it because the combat patrol is temporarily out of out of right. stock. But that would give you a juggy lord, uh, jackals, and more berserkers. mm Hmm. Yeah, which would basically give you everything you need to to that gets you ninety percent of the way there, right? And like, let's compare th- like those two boxes put together to the list that won Tampa, which had Angron, Lord Invocatus, Juggal- uh, a Juggernaut Lord, which you can make either of those out of the Juggernaut Lord that's in that box, uh, Master of Executions, Unit of Jackals, which you're going to get in the uh, Combat mm. Patrol. Uh, one unit of Berserkers, which this will give you. Um, Two. Uh, three. Well, you'll have three if you bought them all together. Yeah. The list only had one. Uh, a Rhino, uh, one unit of eight bound, three units of Exalted. One of them was at six. The other two were at three. And then uh, two pairs of Chaos Spawn. But which you know you wouldn't get there, but yeah, this would easily get you up to a thousand, probably pushing fifteen hundred points if you had mm-hmm. both of those boxes together. Yeah, for sure. And then you could just fill it out with tanks or any other inf- you know models that you want. So right. no, it's it, this is one of the one of the faster and probably one of the more efficient ways to get to a you know a, a reasonably complete army in one or two goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would say like that one plus the like, I'd say there's at least three of these where I would just say like, yeah, this plus the combat patrol and you're like 75% on your way to mm-hmm. to getting what you would need to really start. And then the others like, like the Space Marine, Space Marine one is very, you know, like if you're going for a particular build, this would be good. Um, I'd say the orcs are kind of in the same boat because, like, they're—I don't think they're combat patrol 
like hits the same notes as this one. No, the combat patrol is regular orc boys and death captives and like a death dread so and a mega boss. So it's yeah, it's not yeah. really the same, but you can make it work. Yeah, it like you could use them together, but I mean, yeah, it it they're they're not quite as as does doesn't mechanically gel as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, like, the Nids one, for again, for a particular flavor of Nids, this isn't bad. Like, the, the things in there are good, but it's like, is that the kind of Nid you want to play? You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, but then uh, I think the Guard one with, like, you know, 20 troops. And again, that's one where if you don't mind having two command squads, um, which I think are is a legal choice. I don't think you're limited to one per army. Um, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, this plus the combat patrol would be also a very good start because, like I said, the the tanks are 260 points apiece. Uh, the Sentinel is 60 or 70 if you build it armored. Um, the field guns, field ordnance batteries, uh, that's 120 points. And then, let's see, Cadian Command Squads, two of those are going to be 65 points apiece. And then you're going to have 40 Cadian shock troops, so that's another two hundred and forty points. So you're you'd be definitely over a thousand getting all that put together. So you drop a bane blade in there and you're good to go. Uh, bane blade won't quite that bane blade's only four hundred eighty points. It won't quite get you to two k. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> yeah, I think it's so cheap. Relatively, <laughs> but uh, what what you could do is like pick up somebody like Lord Solar. For 125 mm. points, or Ursula Creed for 55 points, or even just a Castlin. Like, you could, like, there's plenty of ways you could add on to this to get to 2000 without too much trouble. Uh, so that's like, and we don't know what the price on this is, but like I said, I'm my guess is going to be about 240 given inflation over last year. So, uh, if it's less than that, it'll be an even better deal but uh the, the bundles are generally really good and i i think i don't unlike last year where there were somewhere i was completely meh on them like some of the mm. space marine ones they did were like yeah i guess if you like this particular flavor but eh. i think the one i'm closest to on that one is the spearhead force and i still personally don't dislike it but i could see somebody looking at it and just like yeah but that's not how i'm wanting to play my space marines and that's that's fine yeah um, uh, as far as other models previewed, we did also get a second Necron, uh, model preview, and that is the Necron, uh, Overlord with, uh, Translocation Shroud, and, uh, he's still teleporting into place because he is not complete. There are pieces of him that are not connected to other pieces of him. Like his leg is not fully fully formed. His uh, staff of light or worse, I guess it's a war scythe, uh, is not complete. There's like a big gap in the middle connected by like this cubicle energy field that is teleporting him into place. Did I mention how how much I hate the Necron like resin <laughs> stuff? And I'm glad they moved to plastic. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. No, this model's awesome, but like. Yeah, there's this is this is a model that could only be made like in the last couple of years. <laughs> like, right. Uh, 
And and I would also like, you know, much like the Necrons, GW likes to spit in the eyes of physics with their models. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is another one that I'm seeing so like I'm hoping that that's that cubicle energy that's being used to like teleport him in is made of sturdy plastic because I, again, I see so many shatter points in this model. Mm. It does look cool though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then the last piece of news and the piece I think that was the biggest surprise. Cause there wasn't any like announcement ahead of time that, Hey, coming soon, you know, we're going to be revamping the web store. Um, just one day, by the way, uh, gamesworkshop.com is gone, all hail warhammer.com. Yeah. And, uh, who boy <laughs> was it an adventure? So I, I will start with a positive and a very petty negative complaint before we actually jump into like the actual problems with it. Mm-hmm. A, uh, the very petty negative complaint, Warhammer community and warhammer.com, like, now, when I start typing into my browser, I have to, like, look to make sure that I'm going to the right <laughs> one, which is just frustrating. Like, I don't know. Like, that's frustrating. Completely petty and stupid. Um, I, I do like that they're combining the web store into one place. Mm-hmm. Um, I do genuinely think that, like, getting the Forge World stuff onto the, you know, onto the main site, integrating it all into the same factions, like, the potential is there to be able to make it easier for people to go there. This has been an ongoing thing where GW has trying to been rebrand as, you know, Warhammer for a while. They've done it in their stores. They've been doing it online. So in a lot of ways, there's a lot of nice ideas and a lot of like things to build on going forward. So I, I will say that I, I do appreciate that. Uh, Mm -hmm. The execution Blows. <laughs> so I did so bad. The site is yeah. so bad. Well, yeah. two, two things I'll jump in there on, Kevin, is is one, I, I think the site might be bad because I think it got rushed out and not fully tested. But yeah. Yeah. to your point of putting their shops together, if I go to Warhammer Community, they have shop online. You click that drop down. There's four options. Yep. You would think yeah. that all four would go to the same place now. No, only Games Workshop uh, and Forge World do. Black yeah. Library is its own site. <laughs> the fact Warhammer that they Merchandise up- is its own site. <laughs> the fact that they haven't updated their shop online drop down to focus on the fact that they have one combined web store. No, says they have something. three. They have three. <laughs> well, you know what I yeah. but you know what I mean? Like they still have separate links to Games Workshop and Forge World. They haven't even changed that. So well, it's like yeah. both both the links go to the same site. So in a way they, they do. have. <laughs> well, they do because they don't go to the same site. They re- I know. redirect the sites they yeah. go to redirect to the same right. site. But you look at the URLs, they are still pointing at the old Games Workshop and Forge World site. Right. So I I just uh, tried to use the search bar to look for Orc Boy. Uh it gave me three Blood Bowl things and a the Belisarius Call book. What? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Isn't Belisarius Call an Orc Boy? <laughs> yeah. If we're going to search, I, I, put, I put in the plural Orc Boys. Did you spell it with a C or a K? I spelled it with a K. Oh, and Orc oh, yeah. I, Blood okay, Bowl so I team of, is I, spelled O-R, or O-R-C, and that's uh-huh, what I yeah. got. 
So I had heard that one of the things that people liked about the site was that if you searched for something and you did a used a common misspelling, it would correct it for you. Like it would it would know like, oh, when people type this, they mean this. Apparently, when you type orc, it means not that. It means yeah. orc. So, yeah, like if I spell corn wrong, it does actually like redirect and things like that. So, like there's there's nice elements to this. It just the rollout's been very bad. <laughs> yeah, if you search for orc, O R K, first first response, orc flesh. Okay, the paint color. Yes, that is a that is makes sense. Second result, Rumil and Orifin, an expert kit from uh, Middle Earth. These are not orcs; these are elves. Yeah. This does not help me at all. Um, well, in their I, description, do they say they fight orcs? Ah, uh, they might. <laughs> Let's see, <laughs> because that's um. So uh, one uh, one that no. I was no it does not <laughs> one that I was one that I was looking for here is if I type in berserkers one unit with that name doesn't come up a bunch of age of sigmar berserker units come up but the corn berserker units does not come up when you search for berserkers you have to search corn berserkers for that unit to come up <laughs> which is just weird so there's little things like that where it's like uh this just needs to be and I and I have confidence they will get to that point where they will make you know they will solve these issues, but yeah, it's just not. It's I not mean, great. <laughs> and the issue I would like to get solved. Well, there's two big ones, but the bigger one is orders. On the old site, yeah. it would show you what you had ordered, and you could tra- check the status, see the tracking mm-hmm. on it. Um, the current site only shows you completed orders. Yep, and those are things I've already received. So it's it's good to know that yeah, I've ordered all the stuff, but I'm more interested in my current orders because like I'd place the order for the yeah. um, commemorative 2023 Voton Mini, and I had no clue when it was coming or when it would arrive. And so it, it's that part to me is the frustrating part. Yeah, no, that's that's frustrating. Like the the yeah, only shows completed orders. I, I haven't ran into this, but I did hear a lot of other people complain that like vouchers and credit from the old website didn't carry over. Um, now, granted, it sounds like they've worked with those people and be like, yeah, if you have vouchers, contact us. We'll make sure they get carried over. But like, that's a thing that you shouldn't have to do. Extra, well, you know, and this goes back to my thoughts of this got pushed out when it wasn't done testing and so these are things i'm assuming i shouldn't assume but i'm going to that they are going to fix over the next few months to get the site to where it needs to be but this is definitely a rough rollout so oh yeah from a because this is kind of the world i do and like the stuff i wear from like a product management perspective why roll this out now like why rush it i get you want to try to get it out ahead of the holiday season but if the site's going to be this bad and so hard to navigate and, like, people aren't going to go there, wouldn't it be better to keep the old site and roll it out after Christmas? Well, like- well, well Kevin, I'll, I'll put on my other, like, <laughs> behind-the-curtains hats of, of being a tester. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, normally we don't have the option. We're just told, this is going out, get as much as you can done. Sure. So I think it's above project managers and testers who probably both said, yeah, we should hold off, and someone above them said, yeah, put no, it in anyway. before Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. The, the, other, <clears throat> the other part of it that's good and bad, like, there's parts of this that I like, there's parts of it that I hate, is the new filtering system 
Mm-hmm. Um, what filtering can, system? Well, so the filters that are there, I think, are very useful. So, like, the plastic resin, you know, expert resin kit, that's a good filter. That's good to be able to, like, go in there and all the Forge World models are clearly, you know, marked 15 plus expert level, things like that. I think that's good. All of the other filtering that we had on the other site is just gone. And, like, that's what sucks. And, like, for, you know, for Sigmar, it was great because you could go into, like, the Grand Alliances and you could look at all of the things for, like, one Grand. Now you can't do any of that. And it's like, ah, this is just, it's such a downgrade in those regards. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can't hey, look at two armies at the same time. I found yeah. Orc Boys. How'd I just you had to search. I just had to search for boys. <laughs> so orc overrides boy. <laughs> well, so the way they have the, in fairness, the way they have the unit listed, they just have them listed as boys. They don't have orc yeah. listed in the name anywhere. Actually, yeah, they're part of the they, orc army. Actually, they do have a a unit called orc boys, and oh, it's really? the old kit. Huh. <laughs> they still have the old orc boys kit listed on the website for you to buy for $45. Weird. And it is called Orc Boys, which is exactly what I typed in, and it didn't come up. So one thing that I've noticed, and it's not consistent, because if I type in, if I search for like 8-bound, I do get 8-bound come up as an option, but most of the units that I can't find when I'm searching are sold out online. So I wonder if there's like a hidden filter where it's like, oh, if the unit's sold out, it's not going to show up in the search. But that's not helpful. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like, yeah, I, I, I can understand the logic, but also that's not good. That's not helpful. Right. So I just, yeah. and, and there's also Orc Beast Snaga Boys, which contain the word Orc and Boys. They just yeah. have words in between them. And those did not come up on that search. Uh, Earth, and I'll, I'll throw you a here. Like, I typed in like Eldar, and almost the entire Eldari line showed up. Yeah, yeah. They're they're <laughs> they're filtering for orcs is awful. Yeah, yeah. and well, and just like the fact that. To, to change factions you're looking at, you have to navigate through the whole structure. You can't just go back up earlier in your breadcrumbs. Right. Like, that was yeah. the other thing that annoyed me. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a, a mess. Um, yeah, you can't filter units by unit type. Now, granted, in, in uh, 40K and in Age of Sigmar, uh, there's not really – there's no equivalent of a force org slot. Um, right, then, unit types gone. <laughs> sure, yeah. Now you can like, if you if you go to like a top level. So, for example, if I go to Space Marines and then I click Space Marines again instead of going to a sub faction, then I can filter by uh, individual sub factions. Uh, and I think there were somewhere you could filter theoretically by like oh, characters, but. Like, if I go to Xenos Armies, Xenos Armies... Oh, no, okay. So, you can filter... If you do that, you can filter by um, faction, but you can never filter by two factions. Now, I can filter by two materials. So, if I want to look at resin and 15-plus resin, 
which is Forge World mm-hmm. resin. I can do that. But if I want to filter by like, let's say I'm doing, I want to do an Inari list. So I want to filter by Eldari Andrikari. Nope, I can do one or the other, but not both. Also, well, if I go to Eldari, there are 30 items that have an undefined material. Yeah, the other yeah. thing I'll say there, Rob, is I use that a lot to search between factions when I'm like buying one or two things and I'm just below the free shipping threshold. <laughs> then I'm just like, okay, what can I do to yeah. pad this out? Mm-hmm. And if I could just search multiple factions I own, that's a lot easier and better than having to drill down into each of them separately. Speaking of yeah. of uh, drilling down, um, no pagination. It's like you get 12 results at a time and then you can ask for 12 more and it just appends them to the end of the list. So you just have to keep going down deeper and deeper into the list. Now, this site does work better on mobile f- uh, interfaces yes. than the old site did. The old site was not what we would call responsive, which means it did not reconfigure itself well based on... Like, it did to an extent, but it was still very much trying to do uh, browser web for phone, like yeah. PC you know, web for phone. Um, so this is better in that regard, but there's so many very questionable choices that... Like some things, some things have gotten very, you know, very messy. Also, the fact that uh, the uh, I was looking at my orders list. Now, granted, these are all complete orders because those are the only ones they show you. Um, these orders were dispatched, not dispatched, dispatched. <laughs> now, I cannot tell you what's on any of these orders because all I see is the little Warhammer logo on each one until I view the details on that order because none of them have artwork. None of them have photos. Uh, This is, like, there's so much sloppiness. This was not done in time. This was not ready for prime time. As someone who has built e-commerce sites in his career, this was not done. This was not run through a suitable QA process. This is very sloppy from a company which reportedly i the number i have seen kicked around multiple times apparently based on statements the games workshop had made possibly in uh investor documents was somewhere around five million pound on a new web store to combine the forge world and games workshop web stores which is a worthy goal i'm not Mm -hmm. going to disagree with that and i think the people who have been like I've seen some people you know shouting gloom and doom saying oh Forge World's being killed Forge World's going no it's just it didn't make sense to manage two completely separate web stores when these are all being handled in house by the same company uh, and also it does mean that uh, at, there's one definite perk your shipping for Forge World and GW Plastic now combines like you're placing all the orders together. So yep. it's easier to get free shipping, uh, and also they will ship Forge World to your local store, which they don't They're, think they, they already would do did before. that for me. Oh, did they do that for you? Yes, my local store is the Warhammer Citadel, so they would okay. Ship well, Forge that's World not, that's not a, <laughs> that, that is a non-standard case. Yeah. <laughs> but theoretically, like if you have a Warhammer store in your area that is not the Citad- one of the citadels, um, because remember there are two. There's the one in California. Um, yep. That there's uh, one in Tokyo too. Ah, 
Okay, so there are three. Um, if you no- don't have one of those, they will theoretically ship uh, Forge World resin to your store. So that that is cool. Um, yeah. Like, I don't want to be completely doom and gloom. And I do think the GW site itself, the older one, ha- it left some things to be desired, and it did need a revamp. This was not well handled. I have heard a number of rumors. I have no way to confirm any of them. But I've heard everything from this started off as somebody, uh, some, you know, some manager inside like corporate decided they could do that. Like, hey, yeah, we'll all take on this project and got started on it and realized they were way in above their head. And at the last minute, they had to outsource <laughs> it. I've heard that rumor. I have seen people saying, was this incompetence or in- intentional internal sabotage? I sincerely doubt no. that. Yeah. This feels to me from being from the corporate world of just corporations yeah. do silly things like this. Yes. And yeah. I, I'm thinking and hoping that in two to three months time, all the glitches and all the things that we're complaining about now will be a thing of the past. It most yeah. likely will be. They, there, I will say the site is already better today than it was a week ago. Uh, you know, when it launched, uh, a week ago, I could not log into the site because if I, if I logged in through uh, my Warhammer, I would just be brought back to an endless cycle of 500 pages. Yeah. Of error pages. Um, when that got fixed, they had a drop down for like side navigation. That included the section, uh, oh, I think I sent you guys a screenshot of it. My account mobile nav menu section, which, <laughs> right, something was not finished there. That does not appear to be the case anymore. So yeah. they are, somebody is doing work behind the scenes. There's still a lot of things that are fundamentally broken. Um, all the 360 views don't work. They didn't port over the, uh, like the JavaScript used to, to load the multiple images so you can scroll, you know, scroll through and get the 360 mm-hmm. view. Instead, it's just the placeholder of a servo skull and product like kits where there are multiple models. You'll just have a whole, they ported over like all the image placeholders. So you might have a kit where like, I, gosh, I was looking at the cursed city box because I think it's still on here. Yeah. Warhammer yeah, quest cursed city. Um, and, uh, like they show you like the the groups of like here's the heroes and here are the vampire characters and here's all the the you know the minions you have to fight and here's some terrain pieces and then servo skulls servo skulls servo skulls servo skulls because those are all 360 views of those models all the way down and then you scroll down later in the page and like the full gallery it's just servo skulls all the way down well, and one thing I've I've found is if you click on one of the server skull images, uh, and then you try to click back on any of the other ones, it just leaves you at the server skull, and you have to basically like refresh. Yeah, yeah. When you get any of the errors, it's yeah. There's almost like no recovery. You have to just refresh and mm-hmm. log back in. So, yeah, this it's not great. No, it's not great. Also, it would be nice to be able to filter things like don't show me things that aren't in stock. I want to see yeah. what you what I can get right now or show me just the things that are online order only or don't show me online order. I want to know what I can get at my local store. Those aren't filtering options. So, yeah. 
one of the one of the great things the Forge World site had was like you could you could filter by unit type, you could filter for bitch, you could filter for vehicles, you could filter for infantry characters, and like that stuff. Like I desperately want to come back because like I would I would go to the Forge World site and be like, okay. I'm not interested in picking up Horus Heresy stuff. I'm interested in picking up World Eater bits, Amanta, for my 40k oh. stuff, right? Or you know, or the Manta. <laughs> but like, I could go and look at it and be like, okay, I'm going to go in here to Horus Heresy, type in World Eaters, filter for faction, infantry bits, and then like, here's all of the bits I could order, like just things like that, where it's like you could go in and look at things and and get ideas and now it's like just all kind of a, a a morass and there's not without any of the filtering functions it's really hard to be able to to find that stuff mhm and i also find it interesting like on the main page they have like a shop by setting graphic about two thirds of the way down the page or no, about halfway down the page that's like you know starts at 40k and you can kind of tab over age of sigmar horus heresy middle earth and it'll take you into the shop sections for those particular products but then if you they have a start here link at the top of the page and it's like start here okay which one do you want to know about age of sigmar or 40k well can i learn about the other two no no those aren't for you <laughs> It'll it'll get better. It just it's, it will. it's very frustrating right now. <laughs> it's a mess right now. This is this is not how you want to to start uh, your your new website. Like this is this is a like this is just a huge mess, and it's very disappointing to see how, like they the fans des- like the customers deserve better than this, and this is and, and yet. This is a still mostly functional p- page. I, like I saw someone on Reddit say, "Like I don't see what all the the hate is." I was able to go in and place an order, and everything seemed to work fine. But I guess people just hate change. And it's like the site's functional; it's just poorly done compared to what was before, which wasn't great, yeah. but was also very functional and had more. I think it's the fact that we lost functionality, and that's yeah. Well, and, and, and losing functionality, like I, said, I, I guarantee you the corporate reason why this got pushed out is they want this before the holiday season. But if I were to direct, if I were to give people a wish list, which I can't make on the site anymore, but like if I were to like give people like, oh yeah, go to the Warhammer site and this unit, this unit, this unit, like just they wouldn't be able to figure it out. Like it's already difficult to like point people to certain things and get them to understand it anyway, but like. I can't point people to this. Like you wouldn't be able to give like, you know, point your, your grandma, or your dad to like here. I'm like, Oh yeah, buy me this unit. Like, I don't know. It's, it's harder to use. Like it's functional, but it's really confusing to use right now. So I don't know. It's a uh, weird, weird, weird timing for sure. It really is. Yeah. Like this is something. Yeah, I definitely, this is something that wanted to be pushed out before Christmas, but they probably should have waited until after Christmas so that when it launched, it was flawless. Or as close to flawless as humanly possible. Uh, but yeah, so give it some time. It'll be better. It is getting better. But uh, in the meantime, finding things on the, the new Warhammer.com site is going to be... Shopping is going to be a less than pleasant experience, but it will hopefully get better. So, and uh, that's, I think, where we are as of right now. 
we don't have our Sunday previews yet, although I imagine thing we'll get some get those later in the show as we are in the midst of recording. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and uh, take take a quick break uh, for sponsor identification, and when we come back, we'll get to our main topic. Also, uh, we'll get to our main topic, which is part two of building your army on actually assembling your army. Uh, also, if you want to help support the show, we do have a Patreon. We are at uh, patreon.com slash preferred enemies. It's basically an online tip jar, and uh, your support helps keep the lights on here. You pay for our hosting and our recording services when we can all connect to them properly, which we actually manage to do. Yes. And uh, uh, so, yeah, uh, and it's like I said, we don't lock any of our episodes behind a paywall. This is just a tip jar, but if you want to help out, even if it's just a dollar a month, it adds up and it really does help keep all our costs income neutral so we can continue putting the show out. So I want to thank you all for anyone who is already supporting us. Thank you very much for that. And if you want to help support us, it's patreon.com slash preferred enemies. But anyway, we're going to go ahead and take a break and we'll be right back. Miniatures. We build them. We paint them. We love them. That's why we also want to get them to the battle and back again safely. And that's where Kara Multicase comes in. They offer a complete model storage and transport system. They offer a wide selection of core trays for standard size miniatures, as well as custom cut trays for specific models. KR's trays are made of a soft foam, available in a variety of colors, that won't scratch or snag your models. And to protect the foam, the trays are carried in easily stackable, swappable cardboard cases. They also offer a full range of Kaiser bags, backpacks, and aluminum cases for transporting your KR cases. You can even choose from pre-built tray selections to suit your army, or use the Autofill app to find just the right trays for your particular force. Whatever your game, 40K, X-Wing, Warm Hordes, or Historicals, KR Multicase has the cases to fit your needs. You can find out more at krmulticase.com. KR Multicase, soft foam for your figures, hard cases for the soft foam. Are you tired of playing on a boring battlefield? Do you want to step up the quality of your gaming table and make your battle look real? Then you need to check out the battle mats from GameMat. Their professionally designed rubber-based mats are just what your gaming table needs. Available in a variety of styles, with everything from rolling grasslands to urban war zones, winter wastelands to alien deserts, there's a GameMat mat to fit any kind of terrain. Their mats are padded, anti-slip, waterproof, and when you're done rolling dice and battling on your mat, just roll it up and stick it in the convenient carrying bag for easy transport and storage. And if you don't have a gaming table, they've got you covered with their folding Gboard portable gaming area and their line of pre-painted resin terrain. If you're ready to upgrade your gaming table, head over to www.gamemat.eu and find the gaming mat that's right for you. Game Mat, giving your armies the battlefield they deserve. And we're back. That means it's time for our main topic, which is part two of building your army. Actually building it, assembling it, painting it, and basing it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this assumes that you have followed our, you know, you, you know, maybe you followed our guidelines in the last episode, or maybe you just have a stack of kits ready to go. And, uh, you are ready to begin building. Um, and, you know, for a lot of you, this probably will be nothing new. Uh, but hopefully we can, you know, give you some tips, ideas, uh, 
things that we've had particular luck with that will help streamline that process or at least get you past some of the uh, the the nastier parts of it at times. So uh, if you are building your models, obviously the first thing you are going to need are tools. This will include things that I think are absolutely necessary. You need clippers or sprue cutters. Um, there's plenty mm. of places to get these. I would say... Do not buy GW tools if you can help it. Not because they are poor quality, but because they are way more expensive than the alternative. Yeah. yeah. I I will say this, like you can you can cheap out on some of the tools, like clippers and things like that. You can get, you know, hobby clippers at Michael's or Hobby Lobby or a similar store for five, ten bucks. However, I uh, I actually was helping Brady putting together some of his uh, uh, cyberpunk uh, combat zone models, and he had one of the uh, I think it's gosh I'm trying to remember the name of it now. It's a company from Japan. It's like Godhammer or something like that. I don't remember. They had like their like forty dollar like clippers, and yes. they are. No. So worth it. <laughs> no, like you want to get good, you want to get good clippers, good clippers and hobby tools. Get into Gunpla, like the Gundam plastic Gun- yes. kits. Yeah, Gunpla yeah, yeah. tools are like that's what you it was. get yeah. what you pay for. Like the like because that's the thing. Yes. Like the GW ones are good, but so are the ones from like the Army Painter and you know mm-hmm. uh, Gale Force Nine. It's like and you'll pay a lot less for equivalent tools. And also, you know, like I think the. The other ones are a little bit more comfortable to use than like those full metal GW ones that they did right. recently. Uh, when I say recently, like in the last year or two. But yeah, I've heard nothing bad. And like I d- even did a list of like what are the top 10 clippers? And like they, they even said like, yeah, the top half of this list is all going to be Japanese products because yes. the Japanese model yeah. making community has some high precision it- tools. Yes. Wow, I've just been using the same pair of clippers for 12 years. I mean, honestly, like I've been using <laughs> so there's there's clippers that come with all my 3D printing stuff, like when I buy, you know, when I buy the machines or when you buy filaments like that and they they tend to be the cheap ones and they're basically the same as like you get from a Michaels or a home, you know, Hobby Lobby type thing and they're fine. But yeah, like using the like really expensive like nice Gundam ones, I'm like, yeah, I I get why you pay $40 for one pair that you'll never need to buy another pair ever again. <laughs> yeah, no, like mine's, I've, a, mine's yeah. a cheap little one. I probably should upgrade sometime. Yeah, I've heard like on those that it's. I, I have not tried out a pair myself, myself, but from the the testimony I saw, it's like, yeah, you don't feel a click or anything. It just what? it just feels seamless. Yeah, yes. that would be weird. Yeah, no, I'm used to feeling yeah. the resistance. Yeah, yeah I, exactly. I'm. I have had. Like one one set of like the old army painter ones that I have like retired because it was the one that I used on metal models and mm-hmm. it they just eventually just kind of wore out. Fair, yeah. Um, and but like I've got a, a, a new set of the the army painter ones that I really like, and I've you know with resin and, and plastic models like. They're, they're as good as they were to start with. And I also bought kind of a, one of the games workshop or Citadel like hobby kit things that has like a tiny little set of clippers 
<laughs> that that <laughs> like I have laying around that like I occasionally use as well, but like I mean it's exactly the same. <laughs> so and so yeah. Rob, I guess the reason we want to use clippers is so we don't have to just bend the plastic back and forth and back and forth to get them off. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah. asking for trouble there. Um hey, I did those on my first minis. Oh yeah, but uh, and like I've seen people like you can use fingernail clippers if you had to in a pinch, but uh like you want to you don't want to damage the plastic by like flexing it off the sprue and you're going to be left with some like ugly marks left over yeah. if you do that. I mean, you'll still have to do some cleanup, but yeah, you want a set of of clippers. And yeah, there's plenty out there, but like yeah, Army Painter makes some good ones. Uh, and yeah, there. if you just search for best sprue cutters, like there's a website called Fauxhammer that has like a top 10. Mm-hmm. And yeah, number two number two is that God Hand. God Hand, yeah. That was yeah, the name they, of it. And, and it said like, yeah, so you don't, <laughs> all you hear is just the tap of the blade touching the flat <laughs> edge. And like, you can you can get like those, like the specific ones that they have listed there. It's $52 on Amazon. And I'm probably gonna buy one by a pair this weekend because they're so they're worth it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing you're gonna need is a hobby knife, and honestly, any good exacto knife mm-hmm. will do. Uh, get yeah. something with replaceable blades. Uh, yeah. And the hobby knife will do a lot of work for you. It will help you clean up because when you cut the even with a very very good set of cutters you are going to be left with marks where the uh the model piece was connected to the sprue so you're going to need to clean that up you're going to want to be able to take care of mold lines um you will need yeah like if you need to scrape off a little bit or trim something down to get things to fit properly like Hobby, a mm-hmm. good hobby knife will do so much work for you you do not need mold line removers you don't like a hobby knife will take care of it. Like there's a, I will, I will say that, yes, you can get all that done with a hobby knife. Mold line, remover, mold line removers are a useful tool, especially if you have like kids and you don't necessarily want them dealing with like knives and stuff. Um, don't use the GW one. Don't get the GW one because it's, it's way more expensive. Other companies like Army Painter, Vallejo, Monument Hobbies make mold line removers, mold line scrapers that are much cheaper. And it's basically, it's, it's, it's a, it's a specific tool, you know, kind of a blunted edge or, you know, not as sharp to be able to just move mold, remove mold lines. I think it's useful. You can get absolutely get the same work done with an X-Acto knife, but right. You know, it, 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 that's, that's one of those where like, yeah, if you get into it more, you might want to eventually get a mold line remover, but you don't pay the 30 bucks or whatever for GW's one. Cause yeah, right. it's not that nice. <laughs> no, no, it is not. And again, that GW stuff tends to be overcosted and decent, but not top of the line quality. Yeah. Um, uh, the, uh, the third thing you are absolutely going to need is glue. <laughs> because these models, uh, unless they are push fit, and even then I recommend using glue, um, you are going to need glue for these models. Now, there's always the question, do you use super glue or do you use plastic cement? And that is going to come down to how many different kinds of glue do you want and what kinds of materials are you going to be working with? If you are using just plastic models, 
plastic cement is fine. And in fact, I really like plastic cement mm-hmm. because it gives you the best bond because you are literally melting the two pieces of plastic together and fusing them. Uh, and f- when I'm assembling GW models, I tend to use GW plastic cement. Their plastic cement is absolutely fine. I've also seen people mm-hmm. highly recommend Tamiya, uh, yep. which uses kind of a yep. brush on cement rather than a, uh, piped down a thin tube. Uh, yep. you can also use testers yep. plastic cement, although I don't like it quite. I don't think it's quite as fine to use as, yeah. uh, GW. I like testers, but that's because I can get it at Michael's for like, you know, six tubes for three bucks. So yeah, yeah. I know it, <laughs> yeah. it, it is inexpensive. It's also fumey as shit. That, yeah. Yeah. That's, it gets that's you high as the, well. It's great. Yeah. It, it, yeah. The, the orange tube is, is fumey. They're, they do make a, a, a less fumey version that is, is, uh, in a blue tube. Uh, but as well, <laughs> but like it does well. not work. It does not work as well. Yeah, I've tried yeah. that. It one. takes it takes, not, it not takes yeah. longer it, to, to. If you're going to use if you're going to use testers, use the super the orange super super toxic. Uh, yes, it's, it's great. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but yeah, be aware that it is fumey. Uh, the GW yes. GW paints or you know the paint the GW plastic glue is really good as well. Like it's it's not super fumey. I don't think at all. Um, and I do kind of like the. Uh, the applicator that on the GW one with the little the, the thin tube it gives you some good precision. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say as a note, sometimes cement can dry inside that tube. Mm-hmm. In which case, um, be very careful when doing this. Pull the tube out of the glue. This part is critical. Don't don't do this with the <laughs> tube in the glue. But pull the tube out of the glue bottle and take a lighter to it and burn and just heat the tube up and it'll burn that like it'll it'll heat that out. Hmm. And then let it cool off. It, it cools very quickly because you don't need to like get it glowing hot. Just warm it up, and it'll it'll loosen it up. So, are and you then- saying that you melted a, a bottle of GW plastic cement? <laughs> I have not <laughs> because I know to remove the to the metal okay. tube from the plastic bottle. <laughs> just just the way you said that, it sounded like it was experience. Well, so. also consider that glue is very flammable, right. so it would not be a matter of melting the bottle. There would be much larger problems. <laughs> Please do not burn your house down trying to loosen up a glue. <laughs> Preferred enemies does not advocate you burning your house down. (laughs) This is very true. Um, but uh, but no, the GW glue is fine, and yeah, that applicator does give you some very some pretty decent fine control. Uh, Tamiya, like I said, is it uses a brush on, and I've also known people to take Tamiya cement, like when the bottle's about half to two thirds empty. Sprue glue. uh, Yeah, they drop sprues in there. The cement melts them down but because there's it's stays sealed and it's most mostly liquid you end up with this mix of plastic and cement that you can use basically to fill gaps in models yeah so uh that that's definitely a thing you can, i have not tried that myself but i've definitely i've seen a lot of people have that as a a tool on their workbench otherwise if you are combining uh if you are using metal or if you are using resin which Will not work with plastic cement at all. Um, you will need a good super glue. And there's lots of people that make cyanoacrylate glue, which is what super glue is. The two best I have found, and it depends on how thick you want them, 
is either Loctite Professional, which is a thinner glue, mm-hmm. or Gorilla Glue Gel. They are yep. both fantastic super glues. Uh, Gorilla Glue yep. Gel fills gaps a little bit better because it is a thicker gel, but they will both get the job done. See, and I'm in the middle of that, Rob. I actually use the Loctite Gel super glue for mm-hmm. all my stuff. And that's fine. It's not yeah. a bad glue. The... uh I like the professional because the professional, I think, works better than the gel. But there's also, especially when I'm working with older models, metal or uh, or resin, where using the gel to fill gaps also is helpful. Um, so I can kind of that's, put it on there. And, yeah. That's why I think I prefer the gels, too, because I can also see it there because the mm-hmm. thin one just, just becomes that. I'm like, did I put glue on that or not? And then at least if I see a little dot there, I know, hey, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, I, the the Loctite Professional, which is the other one that I usually use, also dries faster because it's thinner. So you have it that can be a good and a bad thing because you have less time to like have to hold it to let it dry, but also you have less time to kind of put it on and you know make sure that it's in the right spot. So uh, it just it kind of just depends on what you're trying to do. But they're both they're all good. They're all good glues. Uh, yeah, and that, this is a case where like. Yes, GW makes a lot of hobby companies make glues. I don't think you need to pay extra for them necessarily. GW's, GW's uh super glue is gorilla is gorilla glue. Like it's is the it? same it's the same stuff. So like instead of buy so it's good. Like their super glue is fine, but it's it's gorilla glue. Like it's the regular gorilla glue. So just go to Home Depot and buy gorilla glue for four bucks. Like right. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's, and, a, it's and exactly also, the same. <laughs> and I like I've I, there's been super glue that I've bought from people like from like vendors at LVO. Like there was one I bought where it's like it's a super thin super glue. Yeah, it is super thin. You have no control over it. You open up that yeah. like, yeah, it'll just spill everywhere. One other thing that I'll, I will mention because I use I it came up recently because I was gluing uh, my wings, super gluing my demonic wings onto uh, onto Farsight for project glue accelerator so like when you when you're putting super glue on there especially if you're using like the gel like it doesn't dry very fast there are a number of like accelerators you can buy to like help it dry faster help make it stronger and bond quicker the best one that i found that is the most cost effective uh for this is uh on amazon you find a nail nail pol- uh nail glue spray it's like mm-hmm. four bucks for like a 12 ounce spray can and it works pretty damn well you can buy like much more expensive like specific hobby glue accelerators but you're gonna pay a lot and you're gonna get you know three four ounces you're gonna get a very small amount for like 15 20 bucks yeah honestly i've had zero problem with the the nail polish accelerator like it works really well Mm -hmm. now i will say that like one thing to be careful about glue accelerators is they i have heard they because the glue doesn't take its normal bonding time you sometimes get a more fragile bond yes Um, uh, but uh, the main place i've especially seen glue accelerators used is if you are at a tournament and one of your models breaks uh, that can really make it easy to get that model back on the field quickly so uh, that, that that is the best use for glue accelerators but generally um you don't need them most super if you're using super glue it generally bonds pretty quickly so unless you have something that is 
particularly precarious it's generally not a problem with cements they do take longer to bond because that plastic has to soften and then reharden so Mm -hmm. just be aware of that when you're assembling kits one thing that is optional you don't necessarily need it but sometimes it can be nice is a set of fine files or even a some very fine very fine like sandpaper and sometimes you can use that to uh, smooth out uh, mold lines in particular spaces or if you need to uh, rough sometimes roughing up the edge of a couple of uh, mm-hmm. pieces of like especially if you're bonding uh, resin or resin's not too bad because it's a little bit porous but especially metal um, roughing up the sides of it like the connection points will help the glue get in there and bond a bit better um, also, if you are doing uh, customizations, like if you're scraping off insignia, having a good way to, to smooth those areas out can be useful. But I wouldn't say they're required if for yeah. most model building purposes. Yeah. So, something that I, I meant to add and, and hadn't yet, um, and this falls into the more advanced and uh, like optional area is uh, drills and pins. Ah, yeah, a, a good mm. pin vice. Yes, yes. Um, so, like, there's, I believe, Army Painter sells a, a set that you yeah. know is just a, a little like hand twisty, you know, drill that you can use to drill into a model and then like there's little brass rods that are the same size as the drill mm-hmm. goes into those holes. And as you like put a, a, you know, kind of fragile connection together that can help, you know, keep that bond more stable uh, so that it, it doesn't break. Um, or you can go up to what I, the insane thing that I did, which was the little like electric drill. That's like, oh, yeah. the, you know, a pen <laughs> that, that I, yeah. you know, definitely didn't need, but like is neat. <laughs> yeah. No, See, the little like wow stick, uh, is one that I've, that I'm like, have been tempted to look at because I've heard yeah. those are really good. See, and I, I will say hand drill is probably a good thing. I have one for, as Richard said, more advanced of magnetizing things because I can swap out the different hand or the bits for the hand drill and drill enough to get the magnet in. But recently, or I guess this summer or so, um, my Voton Pioneers started breaking off of the bases because it is a mm-hmm. very thin, small connection point. So um, it was suggested, yeah, get a bigger drill bit. And they said use paper clips because these are, are big things. Yep. They're not as small and fiddly. So I've yeah. just been measuring, chopping up a paper clip and then using that, drilling down, putting the paper clip in, gluing it, doing that to the other side, gluing it. So that way having – it's the same thing of just having a pin vise in there to hold the yep. pieces yeah. together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, uh, paper clips are great for that. Yeah. yeah, paper clips are good for that. If you are using clippers to cut your paper ki- clips, use a different set of cutters. <laughs> use a cheaper yeah. set than you are using for clipping your models because yeah. you will deform the blades. Yeah, like, do not uh, use your $50 like, <laughs> Gundam clippers for that. No, I, w- I was using a metal cutter for that one, which is different from my plastic cutter one. I One thing I'll say, like, obviously, like, this is there's an infinite number of rabbit holes you can get down on, like, pinning and the prep work from some of that, uh, yeah. I will refer back to, and we've talked about in the past, there's an old episode of the independent characters where they talk about building forge world, big forge world models and like the insane detail that can go into that. 
I highly recommend going back and listening to it because it's uh, terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also really fascinating to like see some of the like some of the specialized tools that can be used for that stuff. But uh, from a general hobbyist perspective, you probably won't do much more than like the occasional pin for uh, to hold on a you know a weapon or something like that. Right. Or if you like drilling out, uh, some people love drilling out uh, gun barrels. Um, Mm. Yeah. So. and I will also say, this is another case where don't buy the GW product. The GW drill comes with uh, four bits of two different sizes um, because bits will break. These bits are very small, and I've had them break in my pin vices yeah. before. Uh, they're they're charging $35 for that. You can Oof. buy the uh, the Army Painter miniature and model drill for 15 bucks on Amazon. And like for 14 bucks, you can buy an additional set of bits in multiple sizes. So for $25, you can get way more options with an equally good product. Also, if you just search for pin vice hand drill, and that's a vice V I S E, um, there's tons of people that make different pin vices mm-hmm. and hand drills. So. Yeah, like you can get these from anywhere from like six bucks to 18, not counting the motorized ones like the wow stick. Those are going to be around what, like 50, 60 dollars. Um, I'm trying to remember. What I yeah, I think when I checked last on Amazon, was... the wow stick was the cheaper ones were 50 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Wow stick mini coordinates drill, 55 dollars uh, yeah. list is 60. So, yeah. So like that's if you really want to if you want to have a, an electric one that's rechargeable for and with for most drilling uh like a, a little hand drill will be fine and you can get those for like said 10 15 bucks and yeah, yeah so um and then pins like paper clips or brass rod you can get either paper clips are obviously very cheap to get um brass rods also very good and if you are working with resin models or me- metals, harder to drill just by nature being metal, but especially resin models, highly recommend pinning those. And yeah. plastic for repairs more than anything, or if you want to reinforce something like those join points for uh, pioneers, which I did when I was painting the the raffle army last year, or I guess this year, because uh, the pioneers were breaking while I was painting them. <laughs> See, mine mine held up for a lot longer than that, but I think just eventually, yeah, they fell yeah. down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once you've got your tools, uh, the next thing to do is you've re- you've removed the uh, uh, model from the box. Another thing, hobby knives, great for slicing that plat the the cellophane wrapping around the uh, packages. Uh, once you've got the the boxes open, read the instructions. <laughs> Please read the instructions. <laughs> Lame. <laughs> With the caveat that sometimes question. instructions are wrong. <laughs> well, what about the for- old Forge World stuff that just has like a couple pictures and that's all the instructions? That yeah. is, did you still read them? But yeah, <laughs> uh, not all. Reading, not all. Not all model <laughs> manufacturers provide equally good instructions. GWs are pretty good these days because they're rendered from the same CAD files they're using to build the models. The biggest problems you will see with the GW ones is parts will sometimes be misnumbered in the instructions. That has happened (laughs) 
more often yeah. than I'd like, I'm sure they'd like to admit, to the point where when they did the Bellacore model a year or two ago, they had to release a new download of instructions because the manual was just wrong. <laughs> but uh, the reason I say to read the instructions is this will help you plot out exactly what version of the model you are building, especially in these kits that have like dual, dual or triple builds. Where, like, it's this body, but these parts will do this guy, these parts will do that guy, and these parts will do this guy. Um, and especially with the newer GW models, where they are not really that modular. They are meant to make particular poses. Um, it is good to know what parts you're going to need and what process you're going to do. Because that will also help you break things off into, like, sets. Like, okay, I'm going to do the body. First, so that's going to be like his front and back torso and this leg assembly. So you can kind of plot that ahead of time. And that's why the next step I had on here was clip out the pieces for just the page or section you're on. Mm -hmm. Rather, don't clip everything out ahead of time. But also, if you clip out the like all the pieces for a particular step instead of doing clip glue, clip glue, this allows you to do things like dry fitting all the pieces together. To make sure that, okay, I understand how these all go together. Yeah. As I have made the mistake of not doing that and then having to separate the models while the cement was still, like, liquid. So the models kind of stretched apart a bit. It wasn't pretty. Or you end up with kind of, like, the glue gets on a part that's, you know, actually supposed to be visible and not mm -hmm. in the connection. So it ends up being, like, kind of this fuzzy melted area yeah i've had does it look good yeah or you end up leaving fingerprints in the plastic or yeah. in the super glue because that that'll happen to super glue it's easier to take care of if, if you get fingerprints in the plastic because you have a little bit of cement on your fingers that's forever mm -hmm. yeah once you've got the pieces for the step that you're working on clean uh, clipped out um, that's when you will bring in your hobby knife or your and or your files and mold line removers and uh, clean off the remnants of the sprue gates, like where they were connected to the sprue. Because there's always going to be a little bit there and just try to get it so it's even with the rest of that section. Um, you want to be careful not to overcut because then you can end up with divots, which is also not good. But uh, just, you know, you want to clean that up. Most GW models lately haven't been too bad with mold lines because they've done a really good job of kind of hiding where the mold line, like setting the models up so the mold lines are in like along the edges of pieces anyway, where they'll be visually lost or they'll be in sections where they're going to be in the join so you won't see them. But you might get like an. Uh, sometimes there are production issues where you get a little bit of overage of plastic and you're going to have to clean the mold lines off or old, like older kits will sometimes have this issue more than others. Uh, but just, you know, clean that up because it's one of those things. If you don't clean it up during modeling, you will discover them during painting, especially when you <laughs> apply washes and yes. contrast paints. And yes, that yes. is the, yes. or dry brushing. And that is one of the most annoying feelings in the world. Like, why is there a straight <laughs> line down the middle of this guy's? Ah, damn it. <laughs> yep. And I'll say, Rob, that's where I do a lot of my dry fitting is after I get things cleaned up. Because with as well as GW's latest models have fit together, if you don't have the joins cleaned and level, 
sometimes they don't match up. Yeah. 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 So you've got, yeah, especially with the, with the, the precision engineering they're doing on those. Yeah. You have to get them cleaned up to fit. So yeah, just please, you know, and also where dry fitting comes in very handy. You know, like you can look at, it, it's like, okay, these are not meeting neatly. I need to trim out here, you know, a couple spots here. Um, yeah. So like I said, I, Dry fit everything before you glue anything. When you do apply glue, be very careful with it. Less is more. You do not need to slather these things in glue. Like a so little one dot bottle or per fine- piece is too much. Yeah, very much too much. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely too much. No, like a a dot or two of glue. You know, and judge it based on the surfaces that are joining um like sometimes you like on mo- vehicle models you'll have entire lot like the the entire line of like the edge of the piece will connect to the other one you don't even have to draw a full line you can just dot along it because when you come when you press them together it's liquid it's going to s- spread out so that'll you know you can still get a solid bond without having to coat the entire edge of it in in glue um now, this leads to another question, whether it is better or not to subassemble models. Now, in some models, you absolutely want to, especially vehicles, uh, if they are customizable or if you have pieces that are going to be wildly different or pieces that you will not be able to reach depending on how detailed you want to get your paint job done, uh, such as uh, some people like to... especially on like older space marines and things like that where the gun was just held in front there are some people that would paint all the guns separately uh or some a model has wings maybe you want to paint the wings separately and then attach them later uh or like i said vehicle some assemblies or if you are if this is something you want to magnetize you are absolutely going to use sub assemblies um or uh like i've this is not a 40k model, but like I have, um, I'm eventually I will finish building Indrasta the Hunter from the Dominion uh, box set. I have her built, but I have her body and like the base she's standing on primed in black, and I have her wings primed in white because the wings are going to be a brighter color. So mm-hmm. I did not want to prime them in black because it would mute the colors down. It would be harder to paint them. So uh, that's something you can take into account. Like color wise, am I going to be doing it? Like, is this like, this will all be silver and this part will be black. Well, maybe I want to prime them separately and paint them separately and put them together. Right. Uh, and that's, yeah. The the old Vindicate or old the Vindicare assassin that's <laughs> yeah. sitting up on the statue that was the the Warhammer Plus model from the first year. I definitely, in fact, I I still haven't finished putting it together, but I have have put it together to where I have the Vindicare assassin standing on his platform. And then all the pieces of like the statue face that he's mm-hmm. like sticking his gun out of, those are all still on the sprue. And then I just primed the whole sprue. Right. And then uh, like I, I can see. touch that up as I like put it together and paint it. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's a whole section of the, the hobby, you know, of the hobby that is very big on painting on sprue. Um, I myself am not a huge fan because of those spots that are left by um, trimming it off of the sprue, which means you're going to have to reprime mm-hmm. that section. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah. uh, it, it it's going to be a thing where like when I I just used the 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 sprue as just kind of an easy way to hold all of those pieces when I primed it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cut them off and and then assemble them and as before I paint them actually. I'm right. not going to paint it on the sprue, but there yes. are people who do it that way. Yes, there are people who do it that way and Shine on you crazy diamonds. That's not a, not something I feel personally comfortable doing, but uh, that is that is the most sub of some assemblies is painting so, on sprue. One that I saw recently that I thought was actually pretty fascinating. Uh, I think it was on like one of the old hammer Instagram accounts I follow is they they were painting painting the sprue. And then basically they would just leave it on the sprue and like that was like an art piece or like a display. Yeah, piece I've like, seen those like, and those are cool. That's really cool. <laughs> like I, I've especially seen that done. Like people find like old like yeah. second edition Warhammer yeah. models. Like yeah, as like put it in a shadow box and like this is like the history of Warhammer. It's like yeah, yeah that's that's a, cool. That's a cool thing to do. <laughs> okay, and saying I think I'm on the old other side of this. Of I rarely do sub assemble. I just started, so I guess to me that's an advanced technique type thing, mm-hmm. but. If you sub-assemble, you don't have your grain plastic that you can put on the board and play with right away. That is also true. Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So for yeah, the this- impatient of us, like me, I just want to get them on the table. <laughs> right. Although, Dennis, uh, I know that I have seen a lot of times where you will put your models together, and if you're painting them before you're playing them, you won't necessarily put them on the base. That is true. I put so- them on base right before I'm going to use them. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually my next point, like whether you should uh, put the mo- like glue the model onto the base before or after painting. There are definitely like GW, like in their instructional videos, they always have the model based unless they're doing something about sub assemblies. I often do. Uh, it depends on what I'm doing with basing. Now, if you are doing a piece that is more of a competition piece, or if you are going to have a, like if you're doing a custom base, you may not want to uh, apply it directly to the base, or you may want to have it on like just blue tacked onto a temporary base that you use for painting it mm-hmm. until you are ready to remove it and glue it on. Uh, you'll also see that a lot of times with resin bases where you want to pin it to the base and you, like you want to have a highly detailed base. Uh, so you want to paint like some people want to paint all their bases first before they attach any models to them. Yeah. So that may be, you know, and if that is what you want to do, if you want to have like really high quality looking bases, you may not want to attach the model to the bases, you know, before painting. Hey, GW, GW gave me these bases. I'm going to use them. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I use G, like for most of the stuff I use, I'm using just stock GW bases. And even when I have my resin models, uh, other than when I've been rebasing the existing models, because I don't, obviously I don't want to repaint the models. So I just need to break them off the old bases and put them on new ones. That's a case where I will paint the bases, uh, yeah. separately. Um, and I think the one time, Rob, I think it was your sisters, you had special Arctic bases that you were using mm-hmm. for them. Uh, uh, for, well, my Black Templars, I was doing oh, Black Templars. Bases. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, and my sisters, I had resin bases, which that was fun just to break them off of the old bases and rebase them when I had to upscale them to 32 mil. Mm. Uh, but it was but, still, a, you got special bases to make them look kind of different than just it's on a flat GW base. 
Right. So in those cases, yeah, you may want to paint the models separately, in which case, um, yeah, you like find something to mount them on while you're working on them so that you don't have to handle the model itself as much. Uh, when it gets to painting the models themselves, again, there are tools that you are going to need to have. Obviously, brushes. Now, we'll get to paint. I want to cover paints last because paints mm. is a huge category. But uh, brushes, um, there's a water. lot of different... Water's pretty <laughs> easy to get. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, bre- and, no, and, brushes... And just like everything else, there's more expensive options. There, For sure. <laughs> there is. There absolutely is. <laughs> so I did... I have a gallon of distilled water here. Shut up. <laughs> Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm still using tap water. I, I, I mean, well, yeah, I, I have a bunch of distilled water too, but that's mostly for my 3D printing stuff. Yeah, anyway, so I have distilled water. <laughs> so I, okay, so the reason I, I have my painting area in the basement, so I have to carry like my paint cups up and downstairs. Um, so I will clean them up upstairs and usually like for, for just brush water, I'll generally use the tap water, but for my wet palette, I will refresh it with distilled water so I don't have to carry my paints up and down stairs. So that way I can add just a little okay. bit of water to it. So that's, that's what fair. I use distilled water for. Ooh, um, fancy wet palette. Uh, which we'll, uh, we will also talk about. Uh, 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 so as far as brushes, uh, there's a number of options you will see. Uh, sometimes you will see uh, natural fiber hair, which is usually a form of uh, sable. Uh, Kalinsky sable is like the high-end uh, you know, natural natural hair brushes. Natural hair brushes, I find, are better than synthetic brushes. Um, yes. they, hold, they hold a point better uh, as long as you take good care of them. They are easier, and if you have issues with them, they are easier to recondition, too. But they are more expensive. Now, you can go really nuts on expensive brushes. Was it Winsor Newton number sevens are like mm-hmm. the the yeah. gold standard for fine detail brushes. They are not cheap. And and even basic brushes, like I recently uh, replaced a number of brushes with, I got some Army Painter brushes. And they're like $9 a pop. Decent brushes will be expensive. Um, now, if you are just starting out, synthetics are fine. When I say natural hair is better than synthetic, that does not mean synthetic is bad. Synthetic brushes work just fine. You can get them relatively inexpensively. There's a lot of like you know starting hobby kits that will come with uh, synthetic brushes. And GW even has a line of synthetic brushes. Um, they tend to be a little bit cheaper. The thing about them is eventually, even if you take decent care of them, the ends of the bristles will start to hook. Yeah. Yep. And there's no recovering that. You cannot get them to unhook. I like you can try heating them up like with boiling water or a hairdryer. It's limited success. It's not really worth the trouble. Um, I actually I have a set that that I have a a brush that I I specifically use. I I I almost use that hook uh, on the brush that I this old brush that I have as like a tool for like I need to reach in and around this (laughs) and get this little spot right here and like. 
it, it's just a new little tool that I have, and <laughs> I I specifically keep that that curved little brush just for that. The Bob Ross nice. School of Happy Little Accidents. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was just no. thinking Richard can make tools out of anything. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I I tend to not buy expensive brushes because I don't take good care of my brushes usually. So, like, and when I do get an expensive brush, then I'm, like, nervous to use it because I know I'm going <laughs> to, you know, mess it up. And Yeah. Yeah. So, like, yeah. But it, I, I just think- use cheap ones generally. Yeah, like, brush care is, like, is definitely – a, a thing that you have to learn and like will make even your cheap synthetic brushes last longer. And I would say you want to get comfortable with the process of cleaning your brushes, using them, stuff like that before you go to the more expensive natural brushes, just because I, I do, I actually wouldn't still wouldn't recommend doing something like as cheap as this, but like Michael's and Hobby Lobby have those like, you know, detail brush sets, synthetic brushes for like, you know, $5 for like a set of 15 or something. If you're just starting out, like those are probably good mm-hmm. to use initially because if you ruin it, you know, if you put too much paint on it, get it, you know, it, then it doesn't, you know, don't clean them. That's fine. It, you just go buy more. Um, but I also know that like when you're, you know, starting out with one of our friends uh, would, would literally go buy like a set of those, like every couple of weeks because he would just blow through him because he wasn't taking care of his brushes, wasn't cleaning them properly, was was overloading them, was getting too much into like the the bristles and stuff like that. And like you eventually learn that. And I think that's, you know, you I I would highly recommend you get get comfortable with the cleaning and the care of brushes before you start actually spend a lot of money on a brush. Yeah. And you don't need all Depending on what level of painting you're doing, you don't need like super fine brushes for a lot of stuff. Like if you are just looking to get something looking decent on the tabletop, um, like a couple of base brushes and then a couple of like zeros or two, you know, like aughts or two aught brushes will do you just fine. Yeah. And starting with those synthetic brushes, like like the bundles like that for like 10, 15 bucks, I, I, uh, as kind of a stocking stuffer, my partner's gotten me sets of those like a couple of years running. And yeah. yeah, over like within uh you know, within a year, even doing my best to take care of the brushes, they'll start hooking and I'll want to replace them. But for like 90% of what I've been doing, they've been fine. You know, so yeah, they're they're fine for starting out with. Um, something else is about brush care. Uh, this is an optional, but a highly recommended, and that is brush soap. Um, yes. Something to to clean your brushes, to recondition them, because it'll help them. You can like actually get the point back on them. Uh, and there's a product called the Masters. Uh, they sell pucks of brush cleaner, and it's basically a soap. You get your brush wet, and you run it along the soap. And it'll, and then you get it wet again. You clean it out on your on paper towel, mm-hmm. and and then usually get it a little bit wet again, and then brush it on there to again kind of condition it like you were conditioning hair. <laughs> yeah, and there's a bunch of other like uh, super you know niche and and like expensive uh, you know vegan brush soap or different different condition for like that. Those are all fine as well, but like the Masters brush soap is like ten bucks at Michael's, and 
you literally will need to buy one for years. Like, right. it's not a thing that you have to spend a lot on. You know, I've had really good luck with it. And, just, you know, like I said, you want to make sure that you get it before the paint dries. You know, like, as you're going along, like, make sure you're cleaning your brush. Use it at the end when you're done. Kind of do it a good deep clean. And, and it'll make your brushes last a lot longer. Um, also, fun fact, if you do get a lot of – if you do get paint dried into the bristles and ferrule, uh, you can use isopropyl alcohol to to clean that stuff out. I've actually reconditioned a few brushes doing that. Um, I recommend like 70 to 90% isopropyl alcohol, but like I've been using 91% because it's the stuff I have for 3D printing. And mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of that on a um, – like on a paper towel and rub the brush on that. Like you don't have to like soak it in there, although you can. Sometimes I've used like a little bitty cup of uh, like like the lid of the bottle and fill that with mm-hmm. a little bit of isopropyl and swirl the brush around in that. And old paint will come start coming right off. So good uh, to know. So yeah, you can do that to. Like I said, it won't fix hooking on brushes, uh, but uh, it'll clean the old paint out, and you can actually get some longevity out of your brushes if you haven't been taking care of them as well as you needed to. You can also uh, like get one of those. There are like the paint cups where where mm-hmm. you just put your water in, but they have mm-hmm. like a little silicone like ring around it that has the have these channels that you can mm-hmm. pull the brush through. Yeah. Those are kind of neat. I I've never I've never actually used one, but I've seen them a lot. Yeah. Um actually uh one product I will recommend from uh, GW mm-hmm. is the Citadel paint cup. Uh yep. for a few for a couple of reasons. Um one it has a wider base than top, so it's very stable. It's, you practically can't knock it over unless you really go for it. Which uh, is ironic, given their paint bottle designs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. <laughs> um, it has a layer – it has a set of ridges along the bottom that you can swir- swish the mm-hmm. brush across to help, you know, get paint off of it. And then it does have uh, those channels along the, like, one side of it so you can – like after you've cleaned the brush off, you can t- run the brush through that and twist it as you do, and kind of help reform the point. So yeah, that that, I, that that reminds me, I actually have one of those. I just I, I was like, what did I do with that? And then I look over at my <laughs> table, and it's it's sitting over there, and it's got a bunch of pens sticking out of it. So uh, oh my. I've, I'm. Not making full use of that. I no, not so much. The, the other thing that one has on it is on the side where it doesn't have the little ridges you can like repoint the brushes with. It has a, uh, like a divot so you can actually mm-hmm. rest a brush on top of it yes. so you don't have to like leave the brush in the water, which is mm-hmm. a no no. Yeah, because you did, so, cause I mean, if you do that, you can like deform the brush, you know, from it just gravity does, you know, does things. So uh, I mean, I remember when this first came out, I think all of us here made fun of it. Then each one of us has picked it up and I think we all really like uh, it. And a few of us are used, still using it as our paint cup today. If it's not yeah, a pen holder. I, I, like I said, I have, <laughs> I have two of them, one for regular paint and one for metallic. Because oh, you don't smart. want the, you don't want the flakes from metallic paint getting into your regular, you know, your other colors. So. Because uh, I'm just kind of fastidious like that, but uh, I know I big fan of those paint particular paint cups. You don't need them; they are nice to have, but they are absolutely not a required tool. Uh, and then, the last thing I would rec I would say is 
uh, a recommendation, but not a, not a necessarily have to have, um, because a lot of companies do make dedicated dry brushing brushes. But uh, uh, Uncle Adam from Tabletop Minions uh, turned me on to the idea of using uh, like dollar store makeup brushes for dry yep. brushing. Y- yep. Um, and uh, they work pretty well. Like you can get them relatively cheap, and uh, they they won't hold like a ton of paint. But you don't need them to because they're for dry right. brushing. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, one company that I, I will highly, highly recommend their synthetic brushes, uh, a company called Ghost Brushes. And they, you know, they make hobby, you know, synthetic brushes for hobbies specifically. Like they make a variety of sizes. They have a little like ghost brush like bundle that's like 25 bucks and it's like 15 or 20 brushes. They're all pretty good quality. They're synthetic, so they're, you know, cheaper end, but they're, it's a really good deal for like the value. And then they also have a dedicated line of dry brush brushes, uh, that are really handy, uh, especially if you're trying to slap chop an entire army in two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> You can do Hypo- it hypothetically if somebody were doing that, uh, and, and you know, and rec- or recording a podcast instead of doing that right now. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> uh, so now, other things that you may not need, uh, but this can be very handy depending on again the level of painting that you're doing. Um, paint handles are a, a thing that you'll see a lot of painters using. Mm-hmm. Uh, this can range anything from a dedicated product such as GW's paint handles, which I miss the older, chunkier design because I have like 10 of those. And yeah, um, I remember when they first came out, I thought, well, this is kind of silly. And then much like the paint cups, it's like, no, no, this is great. I like I love these. Um, I use them all the time and I even have like four or five of the bigger ones for larger models. Uh, so, uh, yeah, those can be really handy, but I've seen people use like doubt, like a, a thick, like inch, inch thick dowel of wood cut short and just put sticky tack on top. Like black I've seen people, bottles. Yeah, I've top seen people use bottle. old paint, old paint bottles, old paint pots, uh, where prescription they, they bottles, tack. prescription yeah. bottles. I, I I would say, and this is actually a video that came up recently on Tabletop Minions page as well, where he was talking about like beginner painting techniques, tricks and stuff. And one of them was like, use a, use a painting handle. Like, doesn't matter what brand and what you're using. Like, it can be something you kind of jerry rigged. Use a painting handle to, you know, for something because when you're, when you're holding it, you know, when you're, you're trying to paint, you know, and you also mentioned things like locking your arms kind of in place and stuff like that. Because when you're trying to paint, you're if you're trying to hold it in your hand, then you've got one hand that could be moving. You've got your your hand, your brush, your eyes moving like that. Keeping it on a paint handle to keep it steady so that like one thing is like this is the place, and then you're just moving your your fingers or the brush to like get you know to get to this, the paints, or you can like rotate the model makes it so much easier. Your painting is going to be a lot more efficient because you're not like having like 15 points of articulation it's just one or two Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and also just being able to like not handle the model but be able to rotate it and like hold it upside down or like twist it any way you need to get to like particular spots again depending on how fine a level of painting you're trying to do is so helpful like i now sometimes if i'm like batch painting like big units models i don't have enough handles to do all of them so a lot of times I won't, you know, depending on what I'm doing, I won't do all of them. But if I'm working on like five or 10 models at a time, I will absolutely do it. And if I'm working on like single models, like characters, without question, paint handle. Yeah. 
palettes. Uh, there's a lot of ways you can go with palettes anywhere from the cheapy, like go to the dollar store craft section and find like the hard plastic, like six cup palettes for like putting some paint on all the way up to like high end wet palettes. Um, I am like, like I've had two different wet palettes of one I bought years ago. A second one I won, uh, as a best painted award at a, at a tournament, uh, several months ago. Um, the, the one I'm using right now is the army painter one and it's, it's really good. It does keep your paints wet a lot longer. So, Mm -hmm. um, if you're using the same colors or if you're, uh, especially over multiple sessions or like I'm painting a little bit now I got to stop and come back to it. I, especially if you're doing custom blends of paint, you don't have to like remember, okay, what did I do last time? You also waste a little less paint because you're not having to have paint dry up on you. But, um, just a plastic palette or some people use just a, a piece of tile as a palette. Yep. Um, or there's palette paper. You can, I think GW sells or sold palette paper. Yeah. And, and a place like Michael's and Hobby Lobby will also sell palette paper, which again, you know, it's d- easy enough. You can, you could use regular paper. You can use paper towels, although I wouldn't recommend it because that's, you know, the, the, pa- the palette paper is good because it doesn't like absorb into it a certain way and it keeps it, keeps it from drying and stuff like that. One thing that, that I've heard a lot of people talk about recently, and I think this is kind of genius is the little silicone popper toys. Yes. That people have been using, you know, that you you little stress toys. Those are kind of perfect for like a little dollop of paint. And because they're silicone and they're poppers, the silt, when the paint dries, it just pops right out. So like if you're using speed paints or contrast paints like that, where you don't necessarily need like a wet palette for them. Yeah. The silicone popper toys, you put a couple drops in there, you put your brush in, you get the paint on, you do it. It's fantastic. One of the funniest things that I've seen, and I've, this is not a GW thing. This is actually a thing that I'll make fun of another company for. But I'm looking on Amazon right now. $6 for a two-pack of fidget popper toys. That's like a square one and a round one, which is more than you would ever need. Monument Hobbies, which is a company I love. And we'll talk more about them in the paints like that. They're, I think they're a great company. They started selling a little, like, palette popper thing. Like, you know, a, a specific one. Like fifteen dollars for one that's like two two divots, and it's just a little silicon. It's basically just two divots of one of those toys. And I'm like, no, that's insane. Why would you do? Why Why would you ever buy that? Because <laughs> I'm like, I can get, I can I can go to any toy store in the country and find one of those for four bucks. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's not just GW that that overinflates the prices of certain hobby tools, <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, uh, that's another one where Uncle Adam from Tabletop Minions has been a big proponent of theirs, especially as he's been using some of like the, he, he likes using the dropper bottle, uh, army painter paints. Mm-hmm. And yeah, those are, those poppers are very good for that. Now, something else you're going to need is primer because you need to prime your models. If you are not priming your models, your paint will not stick on very, like it, it you will have a lot of trouble getting good solid paint coverage. Is that that's what I've been doing wrong? I knew I was missing a step. <laughs> uh, now primers, there's a lot of there, there's a actually there's there's a couple of main paths you can go down, and one is rattle can or you know spray can, and the other is brush on or airbrush primers. Um, uh, GW does make a brush on called Imperial Primer. It is garbage. I do not like it at all. Yeah. 
the best brush on primer that I found is the uh, Badger Styrene's. The, the Steinol Res? Steinol uh, Steino Res. Yeah, sorry. Yes. Uh, Steinol Res. Uh, brush on primer, or, or which goes through, also can go through an airbrush. That stuff is really great. It comes in black, black, gray, and white. That's just fantastic. Most other brush on primers that I found are kind of garbage. I don't like them. That's uh, now personal I, preference. So yeah, <laughs> I have I have found v- I'm very I'm a big fan of both Vallejos and uh, Monuments, the uh, Pro Acryl. Mm-hmm. Um, Vallejo, their gray is really good because it's a very light gray. It's, yeah. it's almost white. It's like around the. It's almost the same tone, not exactly, but it's very close to the um, gray sear that uh, GW has. Mm-hmm. Um, that one I've had a lot. I've really liked their black one is okay, but it clogs my airbrush quite a bit. Yeah, I that one I do not enjoy working with as much. On the other hand, the Monument Hobby black yeah. goes through my airbrush beautifully. Yeah, that, that I, I did think about that. The the Pro Acryl Prime, the white and the black are amazing. Like especially for the price point, like you're getting a good amount of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, fifteen bucks for a bottle, which I know kind of sounds expensive, but it's. Let me. I'm on their website right now. It is 120 milliliters for 14 bucks, which is pretty dang good for hobby paints. Yeah, Um, it is. And white. We'll get into this with rattle cans as well. But white primer. I hope you find one that you like because uh, if you do, stock up on it because white primers suck. (laughs) So like the Pro Acryl white is really good. Uh, It's it's easily the best I found. Yeah, one of the problems with white, both in paints and primers, is that the molecules that make up white pigment like are large. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the pigment chunks tend to be large, which is why whites tend to feel gritty or uneven. Yeah. Now, there's been a lot of work. With, that's also why GW moved to like off-white primers, yes. like Gracier and White and Wraithbone, because it was easier to get a smoother coverage. Yeah. GW Primer. Uh, one uh, one benefit is you can get it in a variety of colors, so you can skip an undercoating step basically by like, yep. hey, I can if I'm painting uh, custodes, I can just get a can of retributor armor and prime them with that. Mm. Rob, um, you're it, giving away all my secrets. <laughs> I mean, it's good stuff. <laughs> the the problem is those cans run out relatively quickly, and they are expensive. They're very like, expensive. Yeah, true. They're what, like pushing $25, $30 a can now, I think? Uh, Retributor's uh, like 30 yeah. Retributor's yeah. 30 the other colors, I think, around 18 Yeah. Uh, if if you find one that works for the army that you're trying to do, though, absolutely worth it. Like Retributor, 30 bucks a spray can, that's painful, totally worth it. Like, I mean, it really is. There's also, if, like, I'm using it for custodes, there's also not that many custodes models, so. Yeah. <laughs> But like I yeah, that 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 the retributor is is amazing. And like they're I like their off white primers. Like I think they're yeah, Wraithbone I use a lot as well. Yeah, yeah, Wraithbone is really good. I'm using it for my Tyranids right now. And uh yeah. And the fact that I can buy like a little pot of like, you know, mm-hmm. Wraithbone, you know that matches that matches it yeah. that I can brush yeah. on is is I great. love that. 
Yeah, so no, yeah, that's, that's huge. The color matching is really good. It's also one of the reasons why I actually use a lot of Citadel air paints is because they do color match with like the brush on paints. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that is really, really nice. But yeah, the, the GW paints are very expensive, but they're good quality, but you also won't get quite as much coverage as you will from some of these other brands. But the, the color matching is definitely huge. Um, Army Painter also does colored, uh, that's my main primers. go-to. Yeah. Because uh, I've got it, their red, I've got their Space Wolf gray, I've got their yeah. purple. Yeah, I, so many colors I use from them. Now, I think some of their colors are a little bit inconsistent as far as, like, quality between colors, but a lot of them are pretty good. Uh, they did Could, recently have a recall for, like, black paint, black primers, and oh, I think they even black. offered – and I think they said if – if uh uh, people use their black prim- like black spray prim- primers from a particular batch, and it like actually caused the paint jobs on their models to go bad. Like contact them, and we'll see what we can do oh, to make wow. it right. Army Painter takes their takes their work yeah. very very seriously. Um, they've been doing a lot of reformulation on their paints based on customer feedback. So Army yeah. Painter's a good company. Uh, I yeah, don't really have really anything anything bad to say about them. Yeah, the air quote negative I'll say is they don't always match up with the GW colors if you're using GW normal Mm -hmm. paints. But if you're using it for, like you noted, an undercoat, it's you're close enough to match that it kind of gives that feel of that color, especially when you paint the overcoat on top. Right. Yeah, and they and they have a huge array of colors for for Army Painter Rattlecan. So if like if you're going for a colored a colored primer other than black or white or gray uh army painter is a really good choice but the paints are also still expensive i think they're in like the 18 to 25 dollar range uh, i thought they were all around 15 i haven't bought one for a bit because they last yeah. for a long time <laughs> they do yeah, last they, forever yeah they they last a lot longer than the gw ones for sure um uh also for rattle can uh the one i use when i do priming outside is uh i use rustoleum or krylon uh Mm -hmm. get but specifically get the primer do not get just black spray paint because primer (laughs) is different primer actually bonds a little bit with the plastic uh it provides a particular you know tooth to the plastic to allow paint to stick better and Uh, since i haven't gone this route in a long time rob do is there gloss and matte primers or are all their primers matte uh, depending on where you get, like, generally it'll be, uh, flat, flat primers, okay. which will be matte. You definitely want matte over gloss. Yeah. Now, uh, you do want to be careful. Krylon has a, a line called Fusion, which is paint and primer in one. Uh, do not believe it. <laughs> yeah. Do not just, use just, Fusion. Just no. It, yeah, because if, uh, if, for example, you're new to the hobby and you're painting your first army and you think you can use this for multiple steps, uh, it doesn't really work that way. And it is also a nightmare to get off your models uh, because it the it actually bonds to the plastic. Like, that's kind of the whole thing is like it, it bonds to it. And it uh, it is really, really hard to get off your models and make them not look like sunshine yellow necrons, which is part of the reason why that project has <laughs> been going on for like a long time because I have to figure I out how to strip those models. Keep, <laughs> I don't keep, think you can keep the sunshine yellow. It, it's it's there for all eternity. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I now that contrast paints are out, there are contrast yellows that can work that might get what I'm trying to do. But I need to do some experimentation. But I have tried. I do have an ultrasonic cleaner. I need to te- do a test. There was a couple things I saw of like a test 
couple tests, the ultrasonic cleaner to like try to get specifically the Krylon fusion stuff to come off, but we'll see. See if it doesn't just completely destroy the models. <laughs> but yeah, fusions uh, don't don't use it. It's it's not good. It's good. It's good for what it is. It's not good for hobby models. <laughs> no, it's yes. not a good miniature paint. Um, but yeah, but using like just standard Krylon or Rustoleum like black or gray primer mm-hmm. or white. Uh, their whites are not great. I don't know yeah. if I would recommend those, but yeah, but they're not necessarily like made for painting small detail. But yeah, their blacks are fine. Um, and the downside on all these rattle can options is you are dependent on the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if the humidity is too high or if it's too cold out, you're going to have a bad time. Um, the downside of the airbrush options is you need to have an airbrush, which is a whole nother step of things. And I'm not going to get into airbrushing in this episode. We actually have a, an episode from a few years back all about like, like hobby, you know, it's like hobby class 200, uh, airbrushing mm-hmm. with uh, Alex Hunt. Uh, definitely recommend to listen to that if you want to get into airbrushing. But uh, any of these airbrush uh, primers can be applied with a just brush on, and they will work yeah. just fine. That gets us over to actually painting. Now, there's tons of options for paints. Even, like, you have, like, are you doing traditional painting? Are you doing contrast speed paints? Are you going to be using shades a lot? And then you get into, like, well, what brand should I get? Because GW's obviously got their Citadel line of paints. Vallejo's got their model game, model air, model color paints. Army Painter has speed paints, and they've got their traditional hobby paints, which uh, uh, Uncle Adam just released a video this past week uh, that he's gotten to try their, like, he got advanced usage of their, like, entire line of, or almost their entire line of new hobby paints. Uh, and he's a big fan of them. Uh, so those, you know, keep an eye on those. Reaper you know, Miniatures makes paints. Uh, they have, like, their Pro 3, I think, is their brand. Yeah. Uh, uh, Duncan, Duncan Rhodes has his Two Thin Coats line, which is now fully out of Kickstarter and available in stores. Um, and yeah. uh, though, like, so, like, depending on, I think they're the most expensive of these options, like, per ounce, but they're very highly regarded. He's done a, you know, worked with some people to get some very well formulated paints. Uh, all of those are good options, depending on what you like, what colors you want. And do you like dropper bottles versus pots? Do you like a particular style of painting? Are you going to go contrast yeah. or, you know, they have Viejo. And I think even what green stuff world has express paints, I think, which are along the same lines as the, you know, contrast and speed paints. Uh, yeah, I think that there's a, yeah, I don't remember what they call it. Cause express is Vallejo is, oh, Vallejo, there's, but, but, yeah. but I, I think there is a green stuff world line as well. No, I mean, it, I think a big part of this is really just kind of personal preference because, you know, like I really like the pro acryl line, uh, from monument hobbies. Um, but their, their colors tend to be a little bit more like primary. So it's like, it's a little bit brighter and like, you know, they, if you're trying to go for like a more grim dark, you know, style or something like that, then that's probably where like the two thin coats paints work a little bit better because there's a little more variety in some of the different like shades of things. So it really just kind of depends, and you can absolutely mix and match, you know, between these lines to taste. Like I, one thing that I will just say is because we talked about before, like how uh, insanely difficult 
white paints are, like finding a good white paint, uh, to the point that the uh, best white paint that uh, I've I've come across to use in an airbrush is uh, white ink because white paints just don't work through an airbrush very well. But uh, mm-hmm. Proacryl makes a bold titanium white, which yes. is literally the best white paint I have ever found. And like, I have like three or three bottles of it just because I'm like, I'm going to use this for everything. Like anytime I need to use white, anytime I need to, you know, do highlights or slap chop or something like that. I'm using the bold titanium white because it's so good. It's such a, yeah. such a good color. <laughs> yeah. And like every, every brand is going to have particular paints that they do particularly well. And you're yeah. going to, and, and we'll have particular colors that you, you like over others and you can mix and match. Like, don't feel like you are yeah. limited to, cause like I mostly use Citadel because again, like everything's kind of color match, but I've got my pro acryl coal black and, bold titanium white and i've got viejo glorious gold for if i want to airbrush gold uh because mm-hmm. it's it's a, almost a perfect match for retributor armor and running retributor armor through an airbrush is a nightmare uh so different paints i have like i have badger like minotaur paints that i was mm-hmm. using recently for painting up some stuff for marvel crisis protocol it's like if you have colors that like if if GW doesn't make the color that you want or if you can't stand the fact that their stuff's in pots rather than dropper bottles, don't feel that you have to buy GW. But if they have a particular like if you like their technical paints like, well, I don't like GW's paints, but man, nobody does not like oxide for doing patinas or nobody's yeah. got like I don't want to buy Tamiya, so I'm going to buy Blood for the Blood God. And it's like, the, you know, use the paints that fit what you want to do. Absolutely. Uh, now, the one kind of paint I will say to generally avoid, unless you are absolutely just getting started and kind of want to give this a feel, is like hobby paints, like you would buy at like Michaels or mm-hmm. Walmart, like in a craft section. Apple barrel. <laughs> Apple. They will work in a pinch, but they are not formulated for miniatures properly. God, they, that, that's an old cut, Kevin. I used Apple Barrel back when I was a teenager well, on my so, first minis. Well, so here's the thing. I don't use it for minis. I have a boatload of Apple Barrel craft paints for terrain. Yes. Because it, cause it's great. Like yeah. it's, it's great for that. But yeah, it's, I don't use it for on the models. Um, but I, there was actually a, uh, Squidmar video from like a year or so ago where they were doing a painting like tournament to see like, you know, rating the paints, using it on a model, what it comes out with, you know, and things like that. It's a really good video. I think it's highly worth watching. Uh, the Apple Barrel like paints that they used, like finished like fifth, like it's not terrible. They're like, they're harder to work with, but like, cost was a big was one of the factors like these things are dirt cheap like two dollars for you know a bottle from walmart that you know if that much gw paint would be 15 bucks or something so yeah right they have a usage i think you just want to be very very careful right yeah much much like that the apple barrel there is a a particular brand uh called uh delta creative ceramic coat Mm-hmm. And and it it is very much like that the the apple barrel it is it is a you know a big like little like fifty nine milliliter you know bottle of of paint but you definitely have to go through and do a lot of extra thinning and be careful with it and 
certain colors just don't work. Like their red is not good. Yeah. To use yep. and their white is generally not great. But like and I'll usually use them just for like bases or like the the base coat of color that I put on, I will use this and then I will go back over it with better paints uh to do like the edge highlighting or shades or dry brushing. Yeah. Yeah, like for depending on your purpose, like, yeah, you can make use of them. And I will say, like, if you go into, like, the craft paint section of uh, Michael's, like, or, you know, some other, like, hobby and craft store, they'll have tons of colors. Like, they'll have a lot of options available. They're even starting to get into, like, color shifting colors and things like that. Like, mm. they're because, like, the kinds of crafting people are doing is, is kind of like people are kind of stepping up their game even at the craft level. So the paint companies are kind of stepping up a little bit. The, yeah. Again, I wouldn't necessarily recommend them for a lot of use for miniatures, but there's definitely places where you could use them or if uh, you know, if budget is a real concern, you can get a lot of paint out of out of that. Um so it's or, you know, like or accessibility, that's the other part. Yeah. Like depending on where you live, like you may not have it Games Workshop store nearby. You may not be able to, it may be prohibitively expensive to order stuff, but like you may mm -hmm. have a Michaels or a, a Walmart. So yeah. Yeah. Just be, be aware. Like you'll have a little bit of a harder time. Consistency of like certain colors and things like that may not be as good, but they will work. They will absolutely work in a pinch. And uh, so I, I don't recommend them, but I wouldn't yeah. necessarily like, I definitely wouldn't look down on somebody for using them. Yeah. Now, as far as, as painting styles, there's a, you know, this <laughs> is where like all those tools kind of come together. So, uh, there's, there's three that I want to cover, um, because this will basically cover like the vast majority of what you'll see online. There's contrast, like pure contrast, there's slap chop, and then there's what I would consult, say, classic or traditional uh, miniature painting. And we're not going to get a lot into techniques here. This is just kind of a, a rundown of the basics, but just mm -hmm. so you know, like, hey, if I'm going to do this style, this is what I need to have and what I need to expect to do it. So simple contrast. You are, you've decided you are going to use contrast paints because you just want to get something painted quickly and you want to have some shading and you've heard like these contrast or speed paints do decent work. Um, what you will need is you will need a white or otherwise light colored primer, Wraithbone, gray sear, uh, like I said, uh, Viejo air primer, gray, you know, the pro acryl white primer, what have you, you will need a light colored primer. Contrast paints do not work very well over black primer because you lose pretty much everything. <laughs> what one thing that's, very interesting that I that I found with those is if you do it over like a metallic primer, yeah. you get some really cool effects. So there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of leeway and a lot of things you can do with uh, with contrast paints over different base coats. But yeah, you definitely want to go lighter because it's going to allow the base the coats underneath it to to come through. Did I steal what you were going to say, Dennis? Yep, but it just means Sorry. we're on the same page. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry. No, I yeah. mean, it's perfect because I think both of us is you've that technique of yep. putting the metallic down first and then putting the contrast on top to give that kind exactly. of a really metallic colored look. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, when I was painting my, uh, I, I recently finished painting like the, the, not the newest, but the original core set from Marvel Crisis Protocol. And that's how I did Iron Man. I, pr- I painted him silver and then I did, re- uh, I did, you know, uh, Blood Angels red contrast paint for, nice. for most of them. Uh, so, and, and it, it worked. It, uh, I will say it didn't give me like the, the finer highlights that I was kind of hoping for, but I did hear that like if you take like a storm host, storm host silver or other like bright chrome. So you put the red down at first and then you draw your paint, your highlights on with that chrome and then put another layer of contrast paint just over those highlights. Mm. It gives you that lighter color. So it's, okay. it almost gives you the same thing. Uh, metallic paints will still need to be done traditionally. So like if your model has like metal sword blades, gun barrels, things like that, you will still need metallic paints like lead belcher or something like that from GW or an equivalent from another company to do those, uh, those contrast won't work for that, but contrast can act as, uh, washes and shades for those. So, uh, you don't like, you can get away with just using contrast and, uh, and like some metallics and you'll be done. Um, it is a quick job. You will not have the fine color highlights and everything that you would get from other paint techniques, but it will like, it will get you to a finished paint job. Like it'll, mm-hmm. it'll be a serviceable paint job. And, uh, there's even, uh, a guy on YouTube goes by war hipster and he does like a contrast plus paint job where he starts with contrast and then we'll do highlights and stuff on top of that but he uses like primarily contrast for all the base colors and yeah you can get some really good looking results out of it the reference section for this episode is going to be so freaking long oh yeah there's (laughs) so much to reference uh but uh but yeah contrast like the the one thing i will say is contrast possibly more than any other paint job requires you to be neat because yes. contrast paints you don't have the option to go back and fix by putting another color over it you know it's like you know you'll have to have like a pot of your primer match color so you can do touch-ups and things like that just be aware like contrast can get messy and bad really fast if you're not careful but otherwise it is a quicker way to get shading and highlighting mm-hmm the next way that uh, you're going to hear about people painting is Slap Chop. Slap Chop had got really big uh, pro- probably about a year or so ago. Yeah. And I was going to say, that was was that the Honest War Gamer, Simon, who used to work for I GW, who, who, who like first really popularized that? I think that's where it started, but I remember seeing a bunch of people, like, I remember seeing it from a bunch of different channels kind of at the same time, and then, like, a second wave of, like, well, here's how to make Slap Chop better, or here's, you know, Slap Chop 2.0, et cetera, you know, and that's kind of ongoing. This is what I use a lot because it combines a few things. It combines my natural laziness and my difficulty of working with, like, light primers. So I spray, I spray paint everything black as normal. I dry brush it with uh, Monument Hobbies Neutral Gray, and then I dry brush over that with Bold Titanium White to get kind of a three shade, you know, uh, three tones on it. And then I just go over it with with contrast paints. And uh, I think it works pretty well. I've managed to paint. Okay, I'm not 100% done yet because I mentioned earlier I'm doing a recording this to do this, but like I'm painting like 80 models for the Grand Narrative in less than two weeks. And in about three days, I've got. 60 to 70 percent of the base coats done on all the models so yeah it is pretty fast 
Yeah. No, it's and it gives good results. Like uh, yes. if you watch any of the those slap chop instructional videos on YouTube, you'll see you get some really really nice looking results because you do get like all the detail, all the you get these extra highlights and shadows. So like it takes what you have from simple contrast and really pumps up that that contrast range of what you get. Mm-hmm. Um again, couple of caveats. You still need to do your metallics separately because, again, this yep. will not generate metallic effects. Although it does get you closer to doing that whole, like, non-metallic metal where if you use, like, light blues and grays, you can kind of get something that looks kind of metalish. The other thing I will note is because you are have a white fading to gray, fading to black, sometimes, and depending on how you do it, like... I have found I tried doing a, a slap chop style technique on my uh, uh, sister's Repentia, like the new Repentia, mm-hmm. and I didn't do the dry brushing so much as I did. Uh, the other way you can do it is uh, uh, what they call zenithal highlight with an airbrush, where you you do black and then at a slightly higher angle you do gray and then at a higher angle yet you do white, and it gives you kind of the same thing. What I found was skin tones ended up fading to yep. this weird fleshy gray, and I did not like it. It did not look like it did not give me the yeah. look I wanted out of them. So that's that's one where you need to be aware that it, it might not give you quite what you're wanting, but depending on what you're painting, it may be totally fine. I have found that it works a lot better on armor uh, than it does skin tones. Um, you know, when you're, when you're painting some in power armor or in a battle suit, uh, it tends to look really good. It tends, you know, looks pretty natural. Yeah. Skin tones are always going to be a little bit weird. I think for, I think for pure skin tones, like I do really like the wash method, you know, using washes or using contrast. So I would almost say if you're going to do a lot of skin tones, uh, go back over all of your skin tones with the more consistent, you know, mid-tone like the gray or the white that you're using and then just go over that with contrast and you get the natural like muscles and you know organic bits of the model will give you the area for the contrast paints you don't even really need the slap chop for that right yeah that's what i do for most of my skin tones is that's where like GW's uh, skin tone contrast paints are really good. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a chance to try out like the Army Painter equivalents, but I've not been displeased with the like I I did a unit for Warcry that was all guys and like barbarian muscles you know out, and uh, I used a variety of I used like three different skin tones for different groups of models, and I was really happy with how they came out. So like so that's the thing like organics. Skin tones like that is where I think contrast paint by itself really shines because you just hit it once and it bleeds in. It does all the right shadows and stuff. Just flat contrast on armor doesn't look good because it doesn't have any place to pull. You wind up can get tide marks and some of these other things that, that don't look super great. But by going through and doing the slap chop on like armor panels and on that, you get kind of a more natural blend. Uh, so I think it's it's kind of like you know, it's just combining the two techniques uh, in the mm-hmm. right places. But uh, yeah, they they are all super fast compared to regular painting and layering and all that stuff. So uh, that's I go for that. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and then finally, there's what I would call the traditional style of painting models. Uh, this you can use any primer color. Like you want to use black, you want to use white. It just depends on like how vibrant do you want your colors to be. And then you're going to apply traditional base colors. Uh, apply shades on top of that. Then go back, clean up your shades. Uh, then apply multiple levels of highlight depending on how well you want how you know what level of detail you want to get. Um, you have the most control. With this style, yes. you are not at the whim of the the shadows that you've applied with your primer and dry brushing, or of the contrast paint entirely. Um, but it does also take the most time because you are be, th that's the trade off is you have the most control, but you have to exercise that control manually. So um, that is like that was until contrast paints were a thing. This was like I'd say ninety five, ninety eight percent of what was being taught mm -hmm. as far as like you know model how to paint models. Uh, there was some kind of like proto contrast because you would see people or proto slap chop really because you would see people using like glazes and inks over uh, mm -hmm. like xenophil highlights, which was basically a, a more complicated version of slap chop. But yeah. the great thing about this is you can combine these styles. Like you already you know said like, Hey, for skin tones, do normal contrast, but then for everything else, use slap chop. And then you can take that and it's like, okay, now I'm going to apply an extra layer of highlights to really brighten up those yeah. highlights and, and do my metallics and maybe paint in my eyes and things like that. It's like these styles all work together. Like there's, it's good to have multiple tools and multiple ways of handling things in your, you know, on your workbench. It's, yeah. There's, it's also, oh, it's also really good to do an army. In, <laughs> I, sorry. It's really good to do an army in my case where I can just dump like a pot of blood for the blood god on the model and also say like, there you go. That covers up my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's, there's another style that we could, we could briefly mention. And that's, and this is a, a, like a really kind of older thing where you go through and you like base coat in like super bright, like candy colored colors. And then you dip them. Ah, yes. The yeah. original army painter style. <laughs> yep. And, and you, you, you dip them in, in almost like this. It, it, it's almost like a, like a wood varnish, like, Mm -hmm. stuff that that applies like a shading over it and then you could like kind of do a quick like little dry brush over that even uh and then that kind of gets you like that three stage of like you know you've got your shadows you've got your midtones and you've got your highlights yep yeah and that is uh you know traditional like the classic traditional way also was you know yeah bright bright base colors then it used to be devil and mud now it's agrax earth shade but it's like you apply that heavy heavy shade all over it and then yeah dry brush your your highlights and call it done because there's a reason people say like devil and mud and then agrax earth shade were magic because they, it's mm -hmm. like instant talent in a bot in a bottle yeah, yeah. and i i know i don't think we want to dip too far into this but there's also uh. like uh, oil. <laughs> you can also use like oil paints to kind of do some of the same things that involves working with oil paints and mineral spirits and stuff like that. But I've seen other people do kind of those same methods where, yeah, you, you, you paint up everything super bright and then you shade it down using uh, oil washes and pen washes, things like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that would definitely be for a more advanced uh, yeah, yeah, conversation, sure. <laughs> but uh, uh, definitely something you can do. And something I also don't have on our notes here, but I will briefly cover is ceiling models. Um, once you have your model painted, especially if it's contrast, because contrast doesn't leave a very you know, strong layer of like it's intense pigment, but it will wear off. It's a thin layer of it. So you can accidentally wear off the contrast through uh, handling. You can seal your models. uh, Anything from like GW has brush ons of like art coat and storm shield. Uh, I use uh, Viejo makes a couple of different uh, airbrush or brush on uh, varnishes. They've got like, you know, mats, satins, gloss. They've got a polyurethane one that I'm using right now that, uh, does a pretty good mat with just a vague, you know, tiny little bit of sheen. I know there are people who swear by Tester's Dull Coat, um, which is, you know, like a rattle can spray. I have destroyed models with that because if the humidity's <laughs> a bit off, uh, you will ruin a paint job. Yeah. So, uh, but that is it that like, if, if this a lot and you know, if a model is purely a display piece, sometimes they'll tell you don't seal it. Like if it's not going to be handled because you'll have more vivid colors, you'll have like the finish that you want on it. Um, otherwise, uh, you can, you know, sealing it will help protect it, especially if it's going to be a game piece that you're going to be moving around and handling a lot. I would recommend doing, uh, you know, uh, a couple thin coats of a varnish of some sort or one thin coat of like, you know, one coat of like Tester's Dull Coat. Uh, and the reason you use Dull Coats is because otherwise you'll get this weird glossy sheen on models and it'll look really weird in many cases. But once you have your model assembled and uh, we're going to get into basing and this is assuming that the model is already on the base uh, because if you're doing like a, a like custom basing like we talked about earlier where you paint the bases like you've probably already handled a lot of this at the time but uh, let's say you're using those stock GW bases that they've given you then you've got a couple of different options one, one option that's used a lot is using, is like putting some sort of textured base down. Now there's a couple of things you can do for this. One is you can use actual sand or grit. Uh, you can, you know, like, uh, model railroad sand or ballast, for example. Um, I've, I've used that in the past. That's actually what I used to start with. And it's just a, you apply glue onto the base and then you dip the model into your, your basing mix and then you like shake off the excess. And then you just let the glue dry. And uh, there, in fact, there are people who sell like entire mixes uh, of um, mix, you know, for basing mixes just for miniatures and terrain. I used the old um, train, like the miniature model trains. They had like the, the grass areas. So I've just got a couple colors of that from ages ago. And yeah, that's what I just, I put a little thin layer of glue on the base kind of dip in there, shake it off. And there I've got a grass, grass base. And I've been using this for over 10 years and I still haven't run out of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got, I got a little thing of, of Gale Force nine hobby mm-hmm. scenics, uh, like sand grit that I, I use, uh, occasionally I've actually swapped to, uh, you know, a, a gel medium that, yeah. uh, is, more cost effective because it's not really a a hobby product. 
my uh, my favorite version of this though was when we were at Renegade Open that one year, and that guy was showing us the snow stuff that he is like, oh yeah, use this you know for snow, and it's, yeah, it's basically it's crushed glass, so uh, don't touch it, and uh, wear a mask so you don't breathe it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. this feels like no. <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna say no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not snow. No. <laughs> Just no. <laughs> Uh, like it was really good looking snow it looked amazing but no <laughs> yeah <laughs> not doing that <laughs> uh and and as far as like applying those physical like grit textures or things like that sometimes like depending on what you want to do like do you want to have that very naturalistic like grit or sand look you may want to apply it after after painting um, or if you want to, if you're going to want to change up the color and you just want the texture, you might apply it like, okay, I've got the model on the base. Now I will apply this, you know, this grit to the base and then prime the whole thing so I can paint it to look however I want. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, that, that works as well. Uh, if you want to do something afterwards, uh, there's a company called Geek Gaming Scenics, uh, which sells what they call a base ready range. And these are meant to like you put glue down on the base and then you up uh, you dip the mod again you dip the base or the model in it and uh, it's already got like a variety of stone and static grass and everything mixed in with it like I was looking at the the, the base ready range they have um, like scrublands grimdark city rubble Mediterranean soil patchy plains. Pine forest ground cover, like a whole bu- uh, grim dark tomb world that has little chunks of like green resin in it. Hmm. Like it's a dark with green resin. So, like, these are f- the ideas. Like, you just put this, you put the glue down, you put this on it, and then there's like a sealant spray, which is basically a, th- a very thin, watered down, like PVA glue to kind of seal it in. And uh, yeah, you can, like, that could be your basing and done. And, you know, very quick, easy technique. Um, if you want to use something that is more paint or material, like a paint based, uh, there's texture paint, which um, GW sells, uh, you know, entire line of texture paints in two different layers of grit with different colors. Uh, Vallejo does a ton of um, mm-hmm. uh, textured certain, you know, types of paints. Uh, I see Proacryl has basing textures as well. Fine and coarse, again, in a variety of colors. And uh, you can basically, you just paint those onto the base. Uh, and then uh, that will, once that is dry, and that can take a little bit of time to dry because it, a lot of them are basically little particles of like microplastic or grit mixed in with a, 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 you know, like a GW base paint is basically their, their texture paints, but are these other, you know, it's kind of a thicker base paint with some grit added into it. Once that's dry, um, you can, if you want, apply a, br- uh, a wash to it to give it a little bit more depth and variation. And then after that, you just dry brush it with a lighter color and your base is done. Like that's how I do a lot of my, uh, 40k bases because it just, it goes very quickly. And then I can add things on top of that if I want to. Hmm. Yeah, that yeah, that's basically the the what I the gel medium that I use. It, it's made by Liquitex, um, it, texture gel medium. It it's got coarse like sand in it, and it's it's very much the same thing as what Games Workshop, you know, kind of sells. 
but it's it only comes in white. So, like, I have to do it either, like, I can do it either before or after I prime, but then I just have to add one step of putting a base coat color over it. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, wash, dry brush, and it's done. And the big thing on that is, like, the tube of that is, like, I don't know, like, $15, $15, $16, something like that. And the tube is... It's like 250 milliliters for $15, (laughs) whereas the GW texture paints are 24 milliliters and are like eight between like seven and eight dollars. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get a lot more out of it if you use. Yeah. It's like it's not even close. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, no, that's that's definitely the more cost effective way to do it. And then, uh, like, you can also, uh, this is something that can either be applied in addition to or instead of, uh, textured basing, and that is using tufts or flocking. Uh, tufts are generally referred to using small pre-made, uh, bits of, like, glued static grass of different, like, colors, and just applying those, like, a dot of Elmer's glue and just put that onto the base. I, lo- I love using that, especially for, like, Age of Sigmar models, or I even use them for, like, my Battletech models to represent, like, bushes that they're, like, these mechs are walking around. Uh, or you can do the whole thing in, uh, grass, which I know that's been, like, one of your go-tos for your Eldar, Dennis, for a long time. Still doing that for all my armies. <laughs> <laughs> And, and yeah, and that's again just kind of uh, apply glue and either dip them in the grass or you can sprinkle the grass on them. Uh, you can get really like in depth with like getting like a, like electric charge static grass distributors to get the grass to stand up when you apply no, it. Uh, that, not not that much detail. That for me. stuff is co- that stuff is cool though. <laughs> yeah, it's, it looks really cool. <laughs> But yeah, it's, it's a whole thing if you really want to get into it. Um, where I have done flocking like that recently was for, uh, Blood Bowl models. Like I was painting, or I, they were technically for Blitz Bowl, like the board, the smaller board game version. But I just, I flocked them in, uh, just green grass and then I used a popsicle stick. I painted white on one edge of it and used that to press like white lines to represent the field onto it. And it was just a quick, dirty way to make it look like they were on a, a football field. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, like, you know, that's a quick way to get just kind of like, yeah, we're walking through a grassy field look for your army. It looks totally fine. Um, okay. So, and then like, I, like I said, I like look, uh, Tufts and there's lots of companies, uh, uh, war games are like, gosh, uh, like Warlord Hobbies make some because they use a lot of Tufts for like their like historical games. Uh, GW makes Tufts, although I don't like the GW ones as much. They don't have, as, they look unnatural is shiny <laughs> like it there is a right. uh, green stuff world makes several and they make like a couple of le- really cool like alien world fauna so like there's like bright purple like static grass and stuff like that which is really neat if that's what you're going for <laughs> yeah uh, i think my favorites are probably um like i like warlords a lot and then army painter has a lot for uh they've got like 12 different varieties of, you know, ranging from, like, bright green down to, like, burnt black, like, scorched-looking tufts. Uh, mm. And again, they, they're all, like, on a sheet. Uh, these packs, they are, like, 77 tufts of different sizes. And you just take, like, you just peel one off, put a little bit of glue on it, and then stick it to the base, let it let it dry, and then it's done. 
and they look really nice. And that, I think, covers everything we wanted to talk about on uh, getting models built. Actually, like the process of like, what do you need? What are the ways to go about it? Uh, some uh, techniques that we and materials and tools that we particularly like. Uh, so uh, when you are working on building that army, whether it's your first or your whether you're like Kevin and have a problem and it's like your 16th. Um, yeah, but these are helping me get them done. So there's that. <laughs> but that's it. That's the thing. It's like you have found like you're always like I think all of us are always finding new techniques, trying new things to like get like whether it's getting them done in a particular time frame or we want this to have a particular look or style to it. Or maybe we're just like, hey, I'm used to painting things this way, but I'm now I'm going to try to push myself and try like a different tool or, hey, I've heard something really good about this technique or this brand of paints and I want to try it out. You can always find something to learn. Uh, like I didn't know about those uh, God hand snippers until like I was doing research for this video. I'm like, Oh, those are, those are sweet looking. I may want to get some of those. And there's then, a, uh, yeah, there's a company or one of the company, a game store nearby that, that just started selling those. And I was like, I looked at it and I scoffed. I'm like $50 for clippers. That's crazy. And then like I used a pair and I'm like, no, this this is worth it. <laughs> see. And, and then, Rob, you talked about us using different techniques as we go along, as we get better. And that's what having a basic and advanced and techniques let you do. And then yeah. one thing we didn't cover here, which is kind of part of building it, is water transfers. If you want to put oh, decals yeah. on them. Yeah, that, that's yeah. A, that's a whole nother set of, and that's where. But having, at least it's easy. <laughs> yeah, it is relatively easy, and that's also where having a good hobby knife is very important because you'll need to, you know, precision cutting. Uh, that's also where I would recommend having s sets of small tweezers. To, for, oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, we didn't put that, tweezers up there. <laughs> yeah, but, but we yeah, could definitely use those because that's one thing that when I picked the what um, faction to use for Voton is I picked an existing faction because I'd never used these transfers before and I wanted to practice and try my hand at doing it. So mm -hmm. it's just kind of keep on learning, keep on kind of expanding what you can do with the hobby. Yeah. yeah. I know, I know a, a little while back I tried doing slap chop on, on a model of mine and I did not like the, the results that, that came from it, but you know, it was a learning experience mm -hmm. and I, I know now kind of more what I want to use that for. And that was more just a, like, I think more just a color choice slash, mm -hmm. you know, what kind of areas and, and model to, to use slap chop on, uh, you yeah. know, lesson. I think there's a lot of like, there's a lot of things that you want that go into it because working on my, my world leaders army right now, what shade of red? Like I, I did like four models in different, the Vallejo Express. There's a couple of shades of red they have, the speed painter reds and then, uh, one of the GW contrast reds. And I didn't like how three of them looked. I'm like, Oh, this is the one that I like. So, you know, uh, part of it is I think just kind of experimenting around and finding the right colors and the right models that it works on. Um, but like, for example, the World Eaters Army that I took to, uh, that I brought for the, uh, US Open, uh, early, you know, earlier this year, that was slap chopped. Like that was all slap chopped, speed painted in about, again, about two weeks. Um, and I, 
personally think it came out pretty well. You know, yeah, and, like, they, they look good. So, you know, I think it's for what army you're looking for and what you're trying to do. I think these different techniques apply. And then everybody's everybody has different methods. You know, I've yeah. <laughs> I'll give give you a little bit, you know, rib you a little bit on this. I have seen you spend like a week on a model, like base coating it, you know, mm-hmm. priming it, and then spending like two weeks layering up paints to get it back to that same, ex- from my perspective, that exact same gray that it started out as primed. <laughs> but that's but that's your method of painting. Like yeah. I can't, I don't want to do it that way because that sounds like a nightmare. But you know, <laughs> right? Different techniques yeah. work for different people, so. Right. right. Yeah. I know. I, you, Kevin mentioned something that, uh, it is actually a, also a very good idea that we haven't talked about test models. Yes. Um, yeah. So, like, don't like start off like painting that, you know, big, you know, HQ like centerpiece model when yeah. you're just picking out your color. Like, you know, pick a scrub model, like, Pick like three or four and like mm-hmm. try painting those first. Exactly. Yeah. Save your centerpiece models and your characters for the end if you're painting on a, a whole army. Because if you have like one or two guys in a squad that look a little bit off and nobody will really, unless they're like wildly different, nobody will really notice. Yeah. But yeah, you're, you're people who should be paying attention to the big centerpiece models. So yeah, yeah. you want to get those looking spot on so yeah do those do those last once you've got your like process for that particular army down Mm -hmm. like yeah i think that pretty much wraps up this episode and in a couple of weeks uh you guys are going to be in atlanta yes yep Yes, we will. So we'll we'll, we're going to try to see if we can record some stuff down there while we're there um we did I did ask, uh, and we were, you know, to see if we could get interviews with people, and they basically said no. Uh, but we're going to try to, you know, we're going to talk to people because they're like, with everything going on, it just, there's only so many people that can, would be available to talk, and there's, everything's going on. Like, it's not, I'm like, that's fair. You know, because again, they're going to be doing their own battle reports and their own meta watch from the, the championships. So, like, I totally right, get it. Because it is the championships. Yeah. So, like, I totally get it. But I also, I also figured, I'm like, we're going. It would be stupid of me not to ask. So I asked. Right. And they were like, no. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're, we're going to be there. We're going to, we'll talk with our people in our battle groups that are going to be in the narrative, uh, the, you know, our opponents like that. So we're going to try to, even if we can't figure out a way to record, we're definitely going to like talk about that afterwards because, uh, this will be the easily the biggest Warhammer event. Well, okay. I've been to LVO. So. No, it'll be easily the biggest Warhammer event that Dennis has been to, and yes. one of the biggest that I've been to. So uh, definitely the biggest official one. So uh, I'm and excited. Both of us pick different sides on the narrative, so we can see how that relates, how exactly. the story goes differently. And who knows? Maybe they'll let us play each other, and we can see how yeah. these armies do. <laughs> I'm super excited for you guys. I'm glad glad that we're getting to send a couple of people to uh, Atlanta. So yeah, that to be part of this narrative. So I, I'm excited to. I'm super excited to hear how it, how it all goes because I, I heard nothing but good things about last year's so i'm i'm super stoked i i hope it's as immersive as last year's event seemed because last year's event just seemed super cool so yeah. and i'm sure it will be again but like I, i'm really excited 
Now I just well, have to finish ar- painting my army. <laughs> they've already sent us like dossiers of yeah. people we will see in the field, aka the the characters who will be running each of the rooms. Right. And so I, I'm expecting like storyline to hit those. I don't know how how they're going to pair up with battle groups. Are battle groups going to go to certain rooms? How that's going to play out? Are we pitted against other battle groups, or is it going to be more random? There's a lot of unknowns that I still am ready to figure out, but. Yeah. We'll definitely see. But yeah, I think since they've already described each of the biospheres that we'll be fighting in, yeah. I'm assuming each one's a different room. And they've already said which NPCs um, are going to be, I guess, in charge of those rooms. So I, we've got to feel I think it will be as immersive as last year's. So also bring yeah, a coat and so. cashier in the Tundra one. Well, it's going to be, I mean, it's Atlanta <laughs> in November. Like It's in November. So I'm going to be bringing a coat regardless because... It'll be cool. It'll be cooler in Atlanta than it will be here, than it is here. So <laughs> I will be cold. <laughs> and then Kevin, I am like you. I I've was air quotes painting up a little bit here. So I am at least only down to a land fortress and some weapons I need to paint for this trip. But yeah, I'm gonna hopefully not be painting to the last minute. Technically, I don't have any models finished, but I've got a number of them that are close. I've got all here's the thing. I'm painting a world eaters army and I've got all of the reds done. So I feel like I'm like at least 60% of the way there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Now what I'm going to do is I need to lay down all the rest of the colors and then spend like the next week, like again, literally like bathing them in blood for the blood God and like gore effects and stuff like that. Cause that's, that's my trick to, to cover up uh slap, you know, slapdash paint jobs is weathering, which we'll get, you yeah. know, <laughs> That's a that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. But uh, like I said, we'll be back with some uh, Atlanta coverage in a few weeks. So uh, until then, from all of us here at Preferred Enemies, I'm your host, Rob. Kevin. Dennis. And Richard. Good night. Good gaming. And get those models painted. It's easier than you think. Preferred Enemies is an Undergopher Radio production and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported License. Our theme music is Metal Slug 2 Super Vehicle 001-2, No Need to Reload, originally by Takushi Hayamuda and remixed by Roataka, courtesy of OC Remix. It can be found at ocremix.com.